Hello again and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. It is finally fall. The temperatures have dropped only slightly. Uh, we just got out of a giant monsoon in our area. Man, we are flooding away, aren't we? Where it was raining every single day, nonstop. But, but Literally, the, for almost a week and a half. They knew we were going to record a podcast today, so the heavens opened up, and now there is sunshine, low temperatures. That's Things true. are beautiful. I had to get in a canoe and paddle here, but we're here. <laughs> yeah, we. that's the dedication you have to that's this true. show. So. That's true. As we enter October 2018, what do you have for us from the news desk this week, sir? Well, there's a legendary group getting back together. Of course, you're talking about Evolution. Ric Flair, Batista, Triple H, Randy Orton, legendary group. No. Uh, probably, you know, some people would say they're better than the Four Horsemen, you know? I mean, no. some people would say they're better than the NWO. And they are getting back together for SmackDown 1000, even though... This group, I don't think, ever appeared on SmackDown, but they're doing that. So that's that's who you're talking about, right? No. Well, I mean, The Shield already got back together a few no, weeks man. ago. Three-man band, baby! Hold on a second. Three-man band. You're telling me the modern-day Maharaja, the yes. former world champ, is going to come down to that level? Drew McIntyre, former is. NXT champ, is, is going to come down to that level to hook back up with Heath Slater? The highest anticipated table for three to ever happen is going to happen next week. The table for three-man band. The table for three-man band. Boy, you know, if I was Heath Slater sitting at that table, I would feel so out of place. Because these other two guys... Man, they've took off, and he's really struggling. Like, no bullshit. I feel, I do kind of feel for him. And it was funny, though, at one point, the other two guys were fired, and they kept Heath Slater. That's true. And then they brought the other two guys back, Drew. and Heath Slater is now at the bottom of the card. As, as much, as much as the modern-day Maharaja has accomplished... I think Drew McIntyre is the one that really is is soaring out of that that. Group. Oh yes, yes. Drew he is, Drew is on fire, man. When he looks like a beast, he does. I He's, don't, He looks jack. I don't know what kind of uh, wellness him and Gender both. When they came back, it's odd uh, how they there was you know a wellness a wellness policy check really, there that needed to have happened. They really worked out yeah. quite a bit yeah. while they were away. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think Drew McIntyre is destined for greatness. I do. Uh, uh, Future world champ if he st- if he stays as hot as he is right now. And while Gender is sliding back down the card now, as he's got this uh, love guru gimmick going on, yeah. So uh, a Shanti yeah. gimmick uh, where he meditates. He's he's getting in touch with his. He's a faith healer. He yes, meditates. And... That's what he does. Yeah. Uh, that's what you think of when a, when a wrestler comes down to the ring. You want him to sit there and meditate. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what I think about is is not you know a giant. When I pick a wrestler in a video game, you know I want to pick the one that sits there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Speaking uh, of video games, though, you brought it back up. Ric Flair, Evolution, SmackDown 1000. What's woo, your thoughts? Woo edition. What's your thoughts, man? Oh, well, I think that uh, it'll be great to see Batista back because he's been in the news lately. He's very upset with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, Disney. Uh, they fired the producer, James Gunn, or the director. I forget which one he is. Made Batista very, very mad. They may have to recast Drax the Destroyer. 
So he's been in the news quite a lot recently. Also, uh, you know, earlier this year, he was upset about uh, his last run in the WWE. He'd been vocal about that. He was also rejected to come in and be a part of the Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania. He would have been in the Kurt Angle spot. And uh, so it's interesting. Uh, I'm happy Kurt took that spot, by the way. It made more sense because you have two Olympians. I mean, uh, Ronda Rousey won a bronze and Kurt won a gold, but they're both Olympians. Yeah. You had the, it was a rocky training kind of thing. It seemed to fit better it did um so they they turned him down there so i guess there was no hard feelings but it's interesting that yeah he's coming back i mean he still is friends i'm sure with with all those guys but it is interesting to see him back in the company uh even if it's just for one night because uh, i i hope it's for one night oh yeah 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 he's personally i was never a fan of batista I thought he was way too overhyped and wasn't as talented as he was given credit. Well, in every match we've reviewed of his, uh, he was very sloppy. Very, very, very sloppy. I'm glad you think that, too, because I've always thought that about him. I didn't want to be offending people and stepping on toes. But. I did think he had some good matches, uh, but it usually depended on the quality of his opponent. And uh, the matches that we've reviewed of his were mostly earlier matches. Yeah. You know, I would like to see some of his later, later in his career matches and kind of go back and look at those. But well, I think uh, him and Taker, we did 23, WrestleMania 23, and him and Taker, where he wins the, the uh, was it Taker or somebody else? Oh, no, that was Umaga, where he just didn't give a fuck, that one. Yeah. Where he just, he botched he, his... It was terrible, He botched man. his Batista bomb, pinned him anyway, and just walked to the back. Yeah, but his, his best match, it was a WrestleMania. I can't remember which one. Bear with me. Not a big Batista fan, obviously. Might have been against Triple H, because it, that was the crowning one. And he, everybody talks about that's his greatest match ever. We've covered it at some point in time, way back, though. Uh, it was just, I did not think highly of it. And I'm thinking, man, here it is. He's They're putting him, you got Brock on Raw. You've got he he's going to be the face of SmackDown at this point in time. Another match they never got to, by the way. Oh, thank God, because that would have been terrible, worse than. I mean, I actually am curious about Brock and and Lashley. I really don't give a shit about seeing Batista and and Brock. I mean, it, it just I, I didn't think I've never thought he was a good worker. I've never thought him to be entertaining. I thought he was muscled up. Well, I think he had a great look. He had the look. He didn't have the talent to back it up. I think some of the stuff he did on SmackDown with Eddie Guerrero and uh, around that time with Edge and, and stuff like that, that's stuff that I'm not really familiar with, but that's what I hear, you know, positives about But that's Batista's also, run, think so. about what you just said. You, it's like you said just a few seconds ago, the caliber of people he was working with. Him and Taker's match. Him and Shawn Michaels' match. Him and Triple H, him and Eddie, him and Edge. I mean, he did get the benefit of working with a lot of great performers. He got, he got carried a lot. Let's be honest. I think I would need to see more of his work to actually have a a more valid opinion about him. Yeah, but in what no. we've watched, I just felt that he's sloppy. Yeah, I agree. And then he he just didn't really care that much. Sort of like sort of like a Kevin Nash, a big man that just doesn't seem to really care that much. He put in more effort than Kevin Nash ever did. Oh, that's uh, true. But uh, just the same kind of big man, don't care. So, SmackDown 1000, Evolution Return, your thoughts behind it. What do you think's going to come out of this? Is it going to actually be a success, or is it just going to be another ploy to get you to tune in? This this was the old Evolution. Here comes the new in November. SmackDown 1000 airs October 23rd. 
that is just days before the actual Evolution pay-per-view. Yeah. So I'm sure that this is going to be a plug for that, yeah. ultimately. At first, it'll be just to get together, and they'll reminisce about old times. Maybe they'll play some clips. That's about it. I, I don't really see... Maybe Jeff Hardy breaks up the party when he takes Randy Orton out or something. Yeah. But that's the only thing I could see, you know, physically happening in the ring. So And, and promoting the women's match, so... Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I see coming out of it as well. Uh, I like seeing Triple H doing more on-screen capacity because he hasn't been in a while. However, I don't like it, if that makes sense. Uh, You're the boss. You're running the company. You and Vince are a lot different. You had your spotlight. Step back. Be the boss. You're a great boss. I'm not knocking the man at all. He has successfully done things that Vince was not capable of doing in regards to reconnecting with a lot of Hall of Famers, reconnecting with uh, a lot of legends, d- putting things in place to help a lot, you know, a lot of people. NXT, I mean, is uh, he's, largely he's, credited to him. He's done some great things, so don't get me wrong, but. I think behind the scenes is where he needs to stay because that's where he's paving a new ground, and uh, I think that's where, personally, he needs to keep paving and and not not look back in back in you know the day the attitude era and things like that of being in the ring. Him, this, this is after Super Showdown with uh, Undertaker. So it's, it's after him and Taker. Yeah. So if they if they are going to do that tag match where Sean comes back or something, maybe oh, you get an Undertaker oh, run in on here shit. or something. No. Here's what's going to happen: is you're going to have Jeff jump. I just thought of it. Jeff's going to jump Randy. Okay. Sean's going to jump Triple H and say, "You're all talking about this. What about DX?" And it's going to turn into like a DX Evolution match. I just put that shit together. So you'll have Road Dog and X Pac and Sean or whatever. I I I'm, I just I feel like they're not going to give. Sean's not going to work a single match, unfortunately. Not a, not at it, first. It's going to be a tag for certain. His first match back, and so uh, and I just feel like that's the way they're going to work him in, which is going to suck because we've seen Sean at versus Triple H. But, I mean, you even said it yourself. You felt like that was the way they would go if he didn't come and tag against Taker and Kane. If he's going to come back then and work a tag match, well, then that means he's going to work a single match because you're not going to burn his one match in just some throwaway yeah, tag. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, the natural, the natural idea would be Triple H at Mania because, you know, Triple H shouldn't be wrestling the roster. Triple right. H should just wrestle legends. They're friends. They're just, I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. I mean, yeah. I, I can't, but I don't want to see it. It's not something that I would no, be looking it, forward to. I've seen it. You know how much I love Sean. You know how highly I think of Sean. I don't want to see it. Man, and that's saying a lot. Well, I don't want to see this Undertaker Triple H match. I don't either. I, I think it's a waste of Taker. It's a waste of time. And the fans over there, yes, you're getting the rare opportunity to see Undertaker. That's all you're getting. Because it's going to be a quick fucking match. And let's be honest, the man, it, he can't move like he used to. I love Taker as well. It's not the same Undertaker anymore, guys. And they're building the whole card around this match, basically. I mean, this is yeah. the most hype match of the card. Yeah. I mean, it's just not the For same. For an exhibition match. It's basically. not the same Undertaker. And unfortunately, it's 
it I'm not saying it's sad don't get me wrong I love seeing Taker but it kind of bothers me that he keeps coming back it's kind of like man dude you've had this legendary career you're this ultimate figure you're the greatest hidden character that they've ever had in the business and you've had all these false exits all these false it's time to literally leave the hat (laughs) in the closet Go home. The money talks. Go yeah. home and be a dad and be a husband. That's boring. To, to Michelle. He wants to get out of the house. Fly first class. Make some money. Well, yeah, he flies first. Michelle rides, uh, That's right. rides coach. You, you've got something on NWA 70 here. Yeah, NWA 70. Uh, Nick Aldis and Cody has been changed to a two out of three falls match so we're turning we're getting some nwa stuff going you know two out of three falls was legendary in back in the nwa days so i i'm curious i'm intrigued yeah still waiting for the rest of the card though to uh come out that would be pretty interesting to know i I agree unfortunately uh cody Uh, was also part of death before dishonor his team won it was like a six man uh but the ring of honor champ jay lethal retained against will osprey uh, in other wrestling news, Cody-related, sort of, there. Yeah. Just wanted to w- mention that, that Jay Lethal is still your Ring of Honor champion. Which is awesome. Jay Lethal, you think... Quietly had a very uh, successful career, you know? Do you think he's too old for WWE? Because I think that's a miss out, that, that, that that's a miss that they really should have capitalized on. Yeah, but I think, I think it's too late, and also I... I think it's sort of the same logic that uh, kept Sting away for so many years. It's like, when I come in there, I'm just going to be lost in the shuffle. I'm going to be hyped and hot like Kofi was right when I started. Maybe a year and a half, two years in, I'm going to be lost. And well, I don't. Wanna... I mean, it's like you said with Bobby Roode, a couple, a couple dude. Bob, here it is, Survivor Series a year and a half ago. Bobby Roode's working main event. Like, was it? He did. He wasn't even on the card for Mania, and then the very next night, he's working like the curtain jerker. It was. It was terrible. Like it just. In four months' time, he went from working main event, and he's one of the most talented stars I think they got on the roster. And right now, now he's in a tag team with Chad Gable. Yeah, you know I don't want to make this into a racial issue, but a good example is uh, another Bobby, Bobby Lashley. Okay, here's somebody that you brought back that was a top star in Absolutely. Impact Wrestling. Absolutely, top build star, top of the line. How do you reintroduce him? Lashley on the Titan Tron, and he just walks out. Has a terrible feud with Sami Zayn, has a terrible feud with Roman Reigns, and is now just lost, just lost in the shuffle. Yeah. They you look s- up and down the roster at their African-American talent. Titus O'Neil, never done anything with him. Uh, Apollo Crews, never done anything with him. Outside of the New Day, who's been quite successful as a group, as single stars they had mid-card titles, they, this company still has a very bad track record with African-American wrestlers. Uh, reaching the top. Mark Henry's the only one I can truly think of. The Rock. And Rock's, right. The Rock's, and, I mean, Rock's half Samoan and half African-American, but uh, Mark Henry is the only one I right. can truly consider holding. And that was... Ezekiel the, Jackson won the ECW title in the very last night. Lashley won, held the ECW title for the longest time. Right. But so, that but was I mean, and even the, the third-rate brand, you know. 
That's like a mid card title. I, Big Goldie, unfortunately, was the the second rate brand. Is you? I don't think you've ever had a WWE champion, right? A, your your number one title. I, I could be completely wrong on this, and I'm sure we're going to hear a ton of fans. Well, I mean, you can count The Rock, but you at the same after time after that, well, you got. Yeah, and well, you had the likes of Ron Simmons. What you do right when he breaks in, you put him in a blue helmet. It's not just African Americans either. It's it's other minorities. It's British wrestlers. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Because William Regal should have been a world champ. I'm sorry. I, I will argue that with anybody any day of the week and twice on Sunday. William Regal should have been a world champ. Non-English speaking wrestlers, Japanese wrestlers, they struggle with. Uh, they still have a lot of work to do. Uh, They've killed Nakamura. Oh yeah, he knock America. Now he's just the U.S. champ, and he's in the middle of. The, he's just lost in the shuffle. He's, top guy, a top guy. You probably paid top dollar for him too, just to put him on well, the. Remember, bench. we came to this house show that they had here last. Well, it's been a couple years now. And it was the whole deal was man Nakamura and AJ on on the on the card and right you're getting a chance to see two of the best in the world and and they were going to be in the ring together the hell yeah I'll drop money and go see this even at a house show uh, it wasn't a good draw for the for the show but it was for true hardcore wrestling fans it was a good it was a good draw unfortunately they they've killed that so if I'm Jay Lethal I'm and I just I if I'm Jay Lethal I'd be very satisfied with my career. And Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. The man's done remarkable things and stood out as even before the likes of a Cody Rhodes, he stood out as an indie star as a guy who never worked WCW, as a guy who in my to my knowledge never even got a WWE tryout. I'm probably wrong on that. Working the likes of indie shows and Ring of Honor and Impact. And I'm not knocking Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is a great brand. You know, Jay Lethal is only 33 years old. Damn. So I take it back. He is not too old to come in. I mean... You think he... I, I mean, that's a great age because that's, what, your age? A little close to <laughs> a, it? You're, a year older than me. I can't believe he's that young. God. he. I feel like he's been around so long. He's only four years older than me. So that's true. So in TNA, when he started in TNA in 2005, so that was 13 years ago, he was 20 years old in TNA when he started out. God, man, he was, and I didn't realize that. I really thought he was in his 40s, and that's oh, I did too. That's not a knock on him. I just he doesn't. I mean, yeah, I can't tell by looking at him that I I wouldn't think he was that old. I just he's been around so long. I just assumed he's 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 AJ's age or whatever. He just kind of goes hand in hand. No, wow. That, so yeah, WWE career could first become the actual first African-American WWE champion. I would love to see that. Uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I feel like AJ is a, is a talent that they, they took so long to get but paid off. I really put Jay Lethal in that category. If and when he does sign with the WWE one day, I hope that he does not have to spend a year in NXT or, you know, waste. Yeah, no, his talent is the likes of a Samoa Joe that Samoa Joe should not have even been in NXT. That should have been a main draw, main roster, Royal Rumble, boom, here you are. You're in, yeah. 
because I loved what they did with AJ. And you know how cool it would have been in the same year you drop AJ as a surprise? Samoa Joe right after. For number, oh, the place would have gone nuts. For number four, if you put Jay Lethal number five, holy shit, that place would have popped like crazy. But and, I've talked about it before, though. If you put them in there and they they lose, it, it to me it's just not as impactful as, as a Jericho debut or as... You know, well, I mean, AJ of, lost, but I think his his. Well, deb- he had a good run. Well, and it, his debut though, along the way, was just. I mean, I still think one of the most historic Royal Rumble moments. And it so, was exciting, even though it was sort of expected. So I popped for it. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, but uh, yeah, you brought some new stuff as well. It's been a newsworthy week, man. What else you got? Last week we had a long discussion about the CTE lawsuit getting dismissed and talking about the dangers of concussions and about how the industry's gotten better. Then on Monday Night Raw, they took that and threw all that out the book because they let Brie Bella go in there and concuss Liv Morgan and then let Liv Morgan continue wrestling in that match. Let her go in and take a uh, suplex and then pulled her out of the match. That was wrong. Apparently, from what I heard uh, in slight camera angles uh she was actually being restrained because she kept trying to get back in the ring and doctors were having to hold her down well yeah that's true yes that 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 part is true but she shouldn't have been allowed to get back in there and take that suplex the worst part about it is the match should have been stopped yeah well she should have been taken out i mean it was a tag match she wasn't even if i'm refereeing the match and someone's hurt i'm either throwing up the the sign or i'm sitting there saying hey wait a minute and I'm stopping the match. I don't give a damn who I offend, who I piss off, nothing. The worst part of it is, and here's the worst fucking part about it. She kicks her square in the face, okay? Then kicks her again. Right in the face again. The first time wasn't enough that you went back for a second? Well, she probably didn't realize she had done it, you know. Because Brie Bell is not a very good wrestler. And uh, that's something I've been saying for years. Two weeks ago, she goes for a suicide dive. Nearly next herself. Nearly next herself. The second suicide. The first dive. one wasn't her fault though, because the first one she, she was supposed to be stopped properly. Yeah, she wasn't. Well, they were supposed to stop her from the dive. She oh, was supposed okay. to be struck, and so she got kind of held up. She so that the first one wasn't on her. The second one was. The second one, man, she damn near broke somebody's knee because the way she landed on her knee when she when she practically necked herself talk about retirement and all that fucking hang it up um brie and nikki were the last of the divas they weren't exactly the last because there were a few others but close they weren't brought in to be pro wrestlers no they were brought in to be bikini models when they were little girls they didn't dream of being hulk hogan you know i don't know what they dreamt of but they did not want to be pro wrestlers this was an opportunity that they to make money, to make money. And, and they jumped at it because they were brought in to be sexy bikini models. The next thing you know, they're working matches, and they did improve. Yeah, they put in a lot of effort. They did. You can, I can make a lot of Nikki effort. Nikki put in a hell of a lot more effort than Brie, in my opinion. Well, based on the results that I've seen in the ring from the both of them, but I can put in a lot of effort, Patrick, out there on the basketball court. I can shoot basketballs all fucking day long i can go up i can make hook shots i can even eventually get to where i can jump and even maybe slam dunk the ball yeah but guess what when i step foot into an nba court i'm gonna get my ass fucking handed to me it won't i won't even touch the ball because 
no matter effort is only effort can only get you so far right natural ability is another but to be able to the capabilities of putting both together the likes of a uh sasha banks charlotte flair i mean there's so many more natalia uh emma emma there you can't I'm trying to find the word so I don't offend the wrong person here. Well, you, you can't. Yes, this will be heavily edited, but you have to. You have to. It's almost like you have to rewire your brain because now I'm. You're working with Eva Marie. You're working with Lana, which I love Lana to death. Right, but she's not a wrestler. She's not a wrestler. You're working with Michelle McCool, who. Maurice. M- Michelle McCool was a. Was a talented wrestler. I consider one of the first actual wrestler wrestlers of the Divas era. I mean, you're working with a lot, lot more talent like Eva Marie and Maurice. Well, and, and you can start. You can start as you can start your career there as a Barbie doll. As you can start as. Oh, that's a great way to as put a, it. I, I'm glad you put it that way. You that's can a, start your career as a sex object. Trish was brought in merely as eye candy. And but late, she worked really, really, really hard and became a decent wrestler. Yes, and and one of the most loved wrestlers of all time. Oh, I mean, yes, I mean that's. I uh, still think, hands down, one of the greatest. That's the important part. Trish was always improving herself. Stacy Keebler didn't Stacey, want to be a wrestler. No, but always worked at it. Always improved herself. Well, Tori Wilson. I think there's a reason they try to bury that the Divas era, and it's because of wrestlers like Tori Wilson and Stacy Keebler. And uh, no, I thought the Stacey, many that I mean the many others that that came and went. I mean, from from where she started to where she ended up, I thought Stacy improved quite well. I would, now, now Tori, I'll give I would you. love to watch the first Stacy Keebler match and the last one, and I would probably see very little improvement. But outside of just some people can't do certain things. The the game the game has changed. The standard the, of the what standard, we expect in the past four to five years. The standard of what we, yeah, what we expect in in women's wrestling has and in wrestling sh- in general has changed dramatically. And uh, and it's for the better. Do not get me wrong. It is for the better, which means that these these women from that era need to pick up the pace, or well, or get out of the way. Well, and not only that, but here's a woman that was away from the ring, ring rust. I mean, she oh was my not. God. Yeah, I'm not clued into how much time she put in at the performance center, you know, yeah. in training to come back. Yeah, but it wasn't enough. Whoever, no. whoever said you're good to go, go back up there. And there was also no reason for her to be in the ring. No, and and Nikki, I mean, Nikki improved dramatically. Uh, even for her return, don't think she's up to par with hanging. Head and they're going to gonna head. pair her against Ronda Rousey at Evolution. Yeah, I mean, I just don't... That's, that's ridiculous. I don't think she's up to par to go head-to-head with uh, with today's talent. I, I just don't. But I do think at least Nikki is a safe worker so far. To a degree. I've seen some, some iffy moments there where it it could have turned well, out I mean, pretty she bad. Did, she did mess up her own neck with her own finishing move yeah. over time. Yeah, it, it, there was some scary moments in, over the past couple of years that could have ended very bad 
we talk about scary moments. I Lita. Oh, I mean, yes. Love to watch Lita wrestle. I told you she's a terribly reckless wrestler. She is, man. She has she goes for it. You got faith and respect in that, but at the same point in time, it's like, man, times have changed. I don't think Lita would fit on today's roster. Well, I, and that that I mean that's hard. Well, to and say, I think but. it's also, I think it's also a big difference when you're endangering yourself because that's Jeff Hardy's mo. You know, that's oh yeah, that's some wrestlers' mo. Shane McMahon endangers himself, and that was Lita's mo. To yeah, a and Le- yeah, Lita endangers her. Sabu endangers himself, not the people that they are working with. Yeah, that that's the difference between what happened with Brie Bella is now she's endangering the people that she's working with. She concussed Liv Morgan. I mean, this made entertainment tonight. This made actual today morning. But news. that's why that's why the Bella Twins are on the roster is because they have that reality show and they're reality stars. And the fact that this made mainstream media as well as it, I mean, as good as it is to have them on the roster to get that exposure doesn't really show wwe in a good light it shows someone who you expect to hold and honor and uphold the respect factor and the talent factor of your brand and she just went out there and kicked an opponent square in the face not once but twice if it was daniel bryan doing the exact same yes kicks if he had done that once pretty sure he would have backed off or something like that he wouldn't have kept squaring off even as fast as he does them he wouldn't have kept teeing off well also what i what i read on the this was a big topic on twitter or whatever you know one thing daniel bryan always does is he always waits until the opponent comes back up so that he makes sure that he's striking them in the chest yeah you know breeze just throwing them with reckless abandon you know yeah and you know i i get it that accidents happen because samoa joe ended Tyson Kidd's career with a muscle buster. You know, Goldberg ended Bret Hart's career. And accidents do happen. Here we are, two out of three weeks, I've seen near tragedy, basically, out of this one performer. She needs to go back down to Orlando. Yeah, exactly. And then be brought back up. I'm not saying she has to retire, end her career. But but she needs to hit the Performance Center again and... She needs to go through NXT. I'm not exaggerating here, and not and work a or and, and learn to work a style where you're not going to concuss your opponent. Yeah, just because Daniel Bryan can do it doesn't mean you're the caliber of Daniel Bryan. I don't like Daniel Bryan, but I'll give him his dues. He's a thousand percent better than Bree. And I mean, there was no for her to do that spot, for her to get back in the ring proved enough to me. She has nothing to prove to me because. I think it's damn impressive to have a baby and then come back to you know wrestling. Absolutely, like, and Maurice doing the same thing. Yeah, and coming back in five months is unheard of. Serena Williams almost winning Wimbledon yeah. after giving birth. Yeah. You know that's fucking impressive to me. I've never squeezed a human being out of my body yeah. and then come back to yeah. do to do athletic activity. Yeah. So her just getting back in there is impressive. She doesn't have to go out of her way to put on a five star match. That's not what we expect from Brie Bella to begin with. Yeah. So she needs to find a style that... Slow down. Yellow light, as the uh, old-timers would say. Yeah. But, like, you know, um, you can wrestle like Santino Morella and wrestle until you're 85, or you can 
wrestle recklessly and endanger your opponents and endanger yourself. I'm not exactly sure how old Brie is, but I'm pretty sure she's not the likes of a uh, near age with Becky Lynch and near age with a Sasha Banks. No, she's even older. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So she's 34. Okay. Now, now I'm not knocking. You and I are cresting 30. You've crested 30. Oh, I'm there, buddy. Yeah. You know at that point in time, you actually start feeling the aches and the pains. You have to take a step back and slow down and reevaluate things. Find another style, like you said. It's or a, wrestle people that are on your level. When she's in the ring with Maurice, that's someone on that's more level. on your level. Liv Morgan is a different breed, is a different generation. She's out of your class. Yeah. I, I don't mean that in a... It's like a video game ranking. You're I a 70-something, and you're taking on an 85. Or 90. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's... Don't do that. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as them asking Brock Lesnar to go in there and basically concuss Randy Orton a couple of years ago with those elbows. That was disgusting. Here's the worst part about it. And, and this is what really is going to upset me. WWE lately has been on the concussion side, and we're not going to allow wrestlers who have a history of concussions to step back in the ring if they pull this shit on live Bree needs to be held accountable well i don't i you know it's an accident it's Um, an accident bret hart was an accident that's true yeah goldberg should have been held accountable to a degree and i don't mean that in the bad way goldberg worked sloppy well i think held accountable being being sent back to the performance center or just being yeah uh i mean don't look at a talented star and say oh because you have a concussion or you got a concussion six eight nine months ago i mean look how long they left out daniel bryan and look at the likes of edge now edge more with his neck but i'm just saying okay christian christian isn't a neck problem christian isn't a neck problem christian was strictly based on concussions strictly based on and you force this man into retirement because of concussions you start pulling that shit on the likes of of a young Liv morgan it's bullshit you pull that shit on Liv, man i'm telling you right now you set her up for failure because you sent her in there with someone that you had seen two weeks earlier how sloppy they were yeah and it's, so it's really on you. And then you let her go in there and take a suplex, which was disgusting. And like I said, it wasn't as bad as when they said to Brock Lesnar, go in there and bust Randy Orton's head open with your elbow and give yeah. him a concussion and make him bleed. That was disgusting. Yeah. It was disgusting. They let her go back in there. And then, oh, by the way, the doctor that's treating her is still this fucking Dr. Chris Amon. This guy that has already had this sketchy past with, you know, fucking the talent. And he's still the doctor. This guy that's already been, his credibility's already been questioned. He should be held accountable for allowing a performer, somebody, the ref, I don't know who was in charge of saying, yeah, she can go back in there for that spot. But they should be held accountable too. Because I think Liv, with her having to be restrained, she thought she could finish the match. And as a pro, well, yeah, that's what you want to do. My hat's off to her a thousand percent. That's what yeah I know but someone should have said stopped her before they yeah got it for that suplex the or the ref, ma- you're right the, as soon as it as soon as she got knocked out the match should have been stopped the ref cuz that's the thing is the same damn thing happened to Enzo the same damn right. thing happened to Enzo what did the ref do stop the fucking match 
Enzo was outside. If they're going to keep the match going, leave him outside, let doctors attend to him. Big cast take They could over. always... Well, you're right. They could have always stopped the match and said, we're going to restart it with just a singles match because she's been taken out. Yeah. And we don't have a, a go-to. So yeah. we're just going to do something different. They could, have sent, they could have sent Baron Corbin out there. And said, say, oh, no, no, no. You're not getting out of this because of an injury. We're going to restart it with you and you. Yeah. Because they had other performers right there. Yeah. It, it, was, it was sickening and disgusting. And Brie needs to be held accountable. Whether that means... You bench her for a set number of months or a set number of weeks and send her back to the performance center. You just flat out say, listen, time to reevaluate your career. Well, and her her importance in the company isn't as a pro wrestler. See, no, that's what's being Daniel Bryan's wife and being on the show and the being Bellas. the Bella's brand yeah. is, is her importance. Yeah. Your in-ring work doesn't mean shit to us. No. No, she's never going to be PWI number one, you know? Exactly. No one's ever going to say five-star match, Brie Bella. No one's ever going to look back at her Hall of Fame induction. They're not going to play highlights of her amazing matches. Yeah, she's not a Brett and Sean match. She's not uh, the caliber. She's a company ambassador, basically. Yeah. She is Stephanie McMahon at this point, you know? I mean, she's just... And that's not a knock on Stephanie either. No, that's just She's just a figurehead. Yeah. That occasionally gets in the ring. And that's Nikki as well. And I hate, um, yeah. God, that's going to piss people off, but that's Nikki as well. Brie Bella is a throwback to POW. That's true. That's what it is that's true. to me. That's true. And, I mean, Becky Lynch has picked up her game. You know, there's all of these talents, talented stars. I love watching Nia Jax work. And Tessa Blanchard, I'll be, people that aren't in the company. I'll be the first one to say right after we went and saw... Nia Jax at the NXT in Nashville, I looked you square in the eye and said, she's only getting a push because she's The Rock's niece. She, but she's gotten a lot better. She has gotten a ton lot better. And I mean, she is now hanging and earned that spot with the caliber of women like Alexa Bliss, like uh, Natalia, like these, these great athletes that has no room, that has no business lowering your standards to a Nikki or Brie, especially to a Brie. Yeah. She does not need to be in the ring. Anyway, I don't want to rag on her too much. Accidents do happen, but she does need to go back to the Performance Center. And it was quite scary, and I hope the best for Liv Morgan. It sucks that here your career is just getting started, and... You already have one strike against you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That really sucks. Um... You know, sometimes you can just go out there on a TV match where it doesn't matter and put on a boring match because it's raw. We're, we're heading into WrestleMania 34. Okay? 35. 35, my bad. We're heading into WrestleMania 35. Uh, WrestleMania 19 should speak for itself in the main event. You can't do a move. Don't try it. <laughs> and anybody who's a true wrestling fan yeah, will understand that. Um but if you're going to try it, try it at a WrestleMania and not on Raw. <laughs> and not at a house show. Go big or go home. Don't have a barbed wire explosion match in a garage, you know, in a gymnasium. Save that shit. Yeah. Because you, you have a... It takes, it takes, it takes years off they, your career. They call it a bump card. Yeah. You know, punch your bump card at the right times. 
That's true. You know, That's don't true. waste it it's like, on a throwaway. By the way, that episode of Raw where she concussed that girl, lowest rated episode of Raw in history. 2.3 million people. Yeah. So she busted this lady's brain for no fucking reason. Yeah. Uh, moving forward, there was a meeting t- this week. A very mysterious meeting. Do you know about this meeting? I didn't until you informed me about it that higher-ups from Impact Wrestling, Scott D'Amore and Ed Nordholm from Anthem Entertainment slash Impact Wrestling, went to go meet with uh, officials from the WWE. This is according to Dave Meltzer. But he said nothing much really came from the meeting other than that the days of them being enemies are supposedly over. Uh, You and I discussed off the air that we interpret as being some sort of uh, maybe licensing deal for the library. Jeff Jarrett is currently suing Impact Wrestling for over the Global Wrestling Network trademark and the the green logo. That was only, what, like a six-month period, though? They had a very, very brief marriage, uh, Jeff Jarrett and Impact Wrestling. But... They still use that green W, and he really doesn't like that, and he wants money, and an easy way to settle all of this, and to and also, you and I have talked about how difficult it is just signing up for the Global Wrestling Network. God, it's brutal. And so, if they were to strike a deal with the WWE to license footage and maybe incorporate some of that on the network, then WWE could turn around and raise network prices, maybe give cut of it to impact from you know the the people that buy that tier which you get. then gives them money to be able to just buy out of this entire jeff jarrett problem and make it go away right uh but who knows what the meeting was about it could have been but just a it could have been a flat out hey listen we're making an offer here it is smooth it over and you know get back to us well the thing is that outside of their tape library and we've discussed this before because it, it comes up every year, it seems like. Anthem is always, uh, Impact is always in trouble. Uh, they really don't have much of value outside of that tape library. Yeah. That's... Because they're, they're contracted wrestlers are able to go work indie shows. So you have no exclusive talent that the company's really, you know, drooling over. Yeah. Uh, you don't really have any equipment. Uh, you don't really have... I mean, that tape library is... And we're not talking about your recent shit either. Your tape library from the asylum years... The golden the, era. Is with, the most important part of it all. Yeah. I mean, Spike TV era stuff, and even before that, asylum, like, that up through that run... I mean, up until even the Monday Night War, you know, part two with Hogan coming in, you know. Yeah. That stuff is a value... Jeff and Sting when Jeff was all screwed up. But there's no... Maybe there's a few names on their roster that they're interested in, but I I mean, WWE has so many people under contract right now that... Dude, they ha- that is so... And they can't even get true. them on TV, so... Move Brie out of the way and give somebody who earns this. No, we she she needs a spot. Apollo Crews can work main event or whatever, you know, whatever. I like Apollo Crews. I know you do. I really think he's a talented wrestler. He is. I truly do. But he's uh, completely lost. Well, yeah, him and Titus Titus has screwed him up completely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the meeting I think is always a good thing. Uh, it does kind of suck if they do buy out and shut down another. You know, business because that's more people going out of out of work and losing jobs and losing their dream, especially people who are breaking into the business that 
you know, a lot of my friends, such as the likes of Kira Hogan, who has really worked her ass off to get to Impact Wrestling. And, uh, you know, if she doesn't get picked up by WWE, if WWE buys them out, then where does she go? You know, got to start over. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that the industry, the landscape has uh, changed. There's a lot of places to go that, I mean, I don't think pay much less than what impact is probably paying their performers i mean the fact that they let their performers go work indie dates tells me that they're not paying them a whole lot i don't think it's i don't i don't see it 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 doesn't have the same kind of impact pardon the pun as a wcw closing because this isn't your number two competitor name even though the name is now got a sour taste in people's mouth you're still working a show with a name that kind of does have a little bit of credibility not a lot but a little bit of credibility Moving forward. It looks nice on a resume. Yeah. Moving forward, uh, in in all seriousness, one of the saddest, most heartbreaking news of the week, and this isn't against Liv, um, because hers was very, very sad as well. Uh, Ted Turner, the brainchild of WCW. A man who purchased WCW. (laughs) I don't think he's the brainchild, but he is. I'm going to give him all the credit. Okay, yes, he invented wrestling. He he invented wrestling. He is the man that I would love. uh, We talked about this. I would love to have on our podcast. You, as a broadcast journalist, would actually love to have an interview with him, whether it be wrestling related or not. Oh, no, it has to be wrestling related. I don't care about the other stuff. Really? Because no one's ever asked him about wrestling. That's the part that I. That's. That's my white golden, unicorn. That's the golden ticket. Yes, because nobody's ever. He's never given any thoughts about WCW uh, ever. Yeah, I mean, outside of those old archived interviews they did when WCW was at the top of the world or whatever that they show on the Monday Night Wars that that WCW aired on like Saturday Night and stuff like that. Yeah, but outside of that, this man has never spoken of this and. I would just like to pick his brain about a few things about WCW and about wrestling and about its importance to Turner Broadcasting and about uh, you know the decision to buy uh, World Championship Wrestling or you know Crockett Promotions and um, the the business side of it for me is the most important part. I mean, here it is. You've got TBS or, T, or TNT. I'm sorry, TNT carrying thunder and nitro and all that and then you've got turner home video doing the uh doing the pay-per-view tapes uh but ted turner uh today was diagnosed with lewy body dementia neurodegenerative disease that alters memory mood movement and behavior it's the same disease that robin williams had uh, it's the same disease that Casey Kasem had. I, I had no idea about this disease. I thought dementia was just all lo- kind of looped into one. Uh, this is from what I, I mean, this is just from my memory recall, is just that it's almost like a combination of the effects of Parkinson's mixed in with a bit of Alzheimer's. God. It is not. It's it's actually almost worse uh, in some cases. Than regular just dementia. Yeah. Um, He's 79 years old. Turner says it's a mild case of what people have as Alzheimer's. It's similar to that, but not really as bad. Alzheimer's is fatal. Thank goodness I don't have that. But I've also got, that's uh, that's the one I can't remember the name of. Uh-oh. So even in his interview, he couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah, he had blank spells in the interview. And so, dementia. I can't remember what my disease is. 
Louis body affects 1.5 million Americans. Wow. Wow. And so, yeah, Robin Williams, uh, most notably, that's what he was afflicted with before he took his own life in 2014. Uh, He told CBS Sunday morning he was misdiagnosed at first. This happens a lot, apparently, uh, before doctors identified dementia as the true problem. Asked about his symptoms, he replied, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. That's the main symptoms and forgetfulness. In 1980, Turner launched CNN, the first 24-hour news channel. And then, of course, Turner Broadcasting System merged with Time Warner in 1996, which was recently bought by AT&T. What really put him on the map where with CNN, uh, I give him all the credit in the world. He was the first uh, news channel to bring live coverage of Desert Storm. If I'm not mistaken by that, he he. That's really, correct. Yes, that that was when they really uh, earned their stripes. Yeah, he was ahead of his time in regards to uh, live broadcasting, not just 24-hour news, but live broadcasting, breaking news, uh, that that sort of that kind of stuff, and invented the 24-hour news cycle. Yeah, I mean, with uh, headline news and uh, also, I mean, WTBS, the idea of taking a local broadcasting station, sending it out all over the country. That's a pretty, pretty wild thought. It's a ballsy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Graduated here uh, from Macaulay High School in Chattanooga, Tennessee, before going down to Atlanta to uh, create Turner Broadcasting System. And as part of his agreement, though, uh, all of Turner still remains in Atlanta, Georgia to this day. So... Was very He's very proud of that, and and the CNN Center, the old Omni, uh, is something that if you haven't been to, is is definitely a go to. Uh, where the Omni was imploded, uh, I wouldn't take the uh, tour. The tour was quite disappointing. <laughs> the tour was man, dude. The check, the way they check you, and you got to go through the whole scanner and everything. That was a little bit too much for me just to take a damn tour. Well, and but, uh, the one part you saw the studio, you saw through a little window. I, I just didn't. I just didn't get much from but, that. But uh, the massiveness, though, I guess what I'm trying to get to is the massiveness of the Omni and Georgia Championship Wrestling and being imploded, and then turning around and creating the Omni Hotel, which is uh, you know obviously a nod to the building which was once there when the Georgia Dome was then built and unfortunately is now passed as well with the uh, the new Mercedes-Benz uh, arena. But um, the CNN Center connects, which then connects to the uh, the Phillips Arena. And so it's, it's a very massive set that when you go to Atlanta, it is a go-to. It is not just going to that town's zoo or going to that town's aquarium. It is a it's Turnerville. It's a one of a kind, man. It is a one of a kind, and it is definitely something to check out. Was a key part in bringing the Olympics to Atlanta? Abs- yes, absolutely. Uh, by bu- by building that stadium, Turner and, Field. And what from what I heard, uh, I you might need to check up on this. Was one that after the Olympics, he held his feet to the fire and demanded that. If someone was going to be a part of the Olympics to carry the torch, he was the one that wanted Muhammad Ali. Wow. I think that I actually believe that because that was when, unfortunately, Parkinson's had uh, just then been uh, been taking over Ali's. uh, Well, and he had uh, been also that year was given his gold medal that he had lost that he won in the Olympics. Right. Yeah. So uh, I believe he was uh, he was a big contributor to the fact of Muhammad Ali getting the uh, the rights to the torch and and 
And so, I mean, he, he has a lot of stroke. He has a lot of pull. And, um, uh, yeah, at one point owned the Atlanta Hawks and the Atlanta Braves, was one of the first people to, you know, mingle, you know, with uh, when you think of billionaires and just the mixed assets, one of these guys that had, I mean, I can only think of, you know, a handful of them. You he know? has, without you knowing, he has touched every single person, every single person's lives easily within uh, now 1980 yeah but i think when you hit i mean just the fact when you hit 88 89 90 with the launch of cartoon network reaching out to kids with the launch of cnn reaching out to adults with the launch of oh turner classic movies he owns that entire mgn library yeah i mean uh he has a he has reached, in my eyes, every U.S. American, in some way, form, or fashion, you have seen a Turner broadcast or a Turner episode of some sorts under his name or moniker, and a lot of people may not have even realized it. The idea of cable channels being you know groups of cable channels you know that was an idea that was originated by him and then you see like then you know you have discovery and id and then everyone else does the same thing and i mean just i mean i'd say his biggest contribution though for good or bad is the 24-hour news cycle which unfortunately has led to some very negative things and he's and of course his relationship with Jane Fonda gets a lot of flack and he has a lot of other other personal issues. He's not, you know, in everybody's good graces and so there's some negative things there too, but no one can deny the influence. I mean, Rupert Murdoch was is a, in my opinion an asshole, but he's a, he's a very influential guy and T- Ted Turner, some people feel he's an asshole as well, but he's still a very influential guy that that made a very big impact i hold him in a very high criteria i never met ted um however Uh, yeah i don't think a lot of people i mean i mean back when our early trips to atlanta and things like that here from chattanooga which is only an hour and 45 minute drive if you hit traffic you're looking at like two and a half to three hours however um in the late 90s early 2000s i uh the coolest thing for me was getting uh getting passed on the interstate by his limousine that was the (laughs) coolest thing in the world for me and i knew it was him because he had custom plates on the front and the back that said turner and i thought that was awesome as hell and uh now whether he was in there or not i don't know but that was just so cool because a man who has touched so many people whether you knew it or not and influenced them uh he's a very special individual and a brilliant businessman and unfortunately this is a major blow to him and uh i i apparently there is works of of being able to have a cure for this it you can fight back well you can work through it yeah yeah so man i wish but it's tough personally tough on him personally i wish him the best of luck and the uh the absolute highest battle that he is willing or that he is about to unfortunately have to go through the reason i just want to hear about his wrestling side too is because i i really do want to know now unfortunately with this diagnosis you know he might not even remember owning wcw at some point you know he owned a hockey team at one point in time as well i mean he ran uh, the thrashers were probably owned by him yes at one point yeah he, he ran a he ran a hockey team here in a basketball team here in a baseball team the atlanta braves in the 90s and late 80s well i mean 
Before the, sports rights were so divided up where you can't find what channel is this on? When, where can I watch this? You knew where the Braves were going to be. They were going to be on TBS. We'll see. Across you, the nation. You talk about Discovery and the and CNN and all that. Each channel had its own um, its own little set area. But to me, the most outlandish, crazy thing of it all is two drama channels with TNN or TNT, I mean, I'm sorry, TNT and uh, TBS, you know, that's unheard of that the man had two two channels showing the same kind of content and both were successful. Well, and TBS, in addition to showing that content, would throw on a Braves game, throw on a Hawks game, yeah. throw on pro wrestling, TNT, the same thing. They didn't conform to now it's everything is so genre specific, you know? Yeah. Everything is so... You go to Discovery, you know you're going to get outdoor stuff. Right. You go to Animal Planet, you're going to get If I go to History Channel, I'm going to get Pawn Stars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten to the point in time where it's... Which in Pawn Stars, apparently, I've never seen, but it's more like old-time stuff that's being brought in, right? Yeah, but it's sort of a reality show. Oh, okay. Um, You love Pawn Stars, I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, but it's like the 80s, MTV. You know, now we've got MTV, we've got CMT, we've got... Uh, MTV2, VH1. Or BET, I mean, yeah. that, yeah, or whatever. I give him the credit for being the first one to have a multi-channel, same content type idea. And it worked, man. It, it was... And for the, like I said, for the late 80s, early 90s, which obviously is when we both grew up, uh, he he definitely touched our lives as well as so many others. Not to mention non wrestling fans as well. He uh, it was just, I mean he, the credit this man deserves is a uh, is a lot higher than I think he'll ever get. Well, and the thing is too, he's not he's not really. I mean, I think at one point he was a bit of an outlandish, uh, you know, billionaire, you know, a, a lavish. But for the most part, pretty quiet, you know. Uh, bought up a bunch of land in Montana, raises bison, likes the farm life, you know. Does shies away, you know. Unlike, you know, I I want compared to like Donald Trump, who puts his name on giant towers, gold towers, runs for president. Ted Turner's out in the field somewhere. Yeah, he it's, made it. He made his money, and he's like, you know what? I'm done. It's so weird. I left my stamp. I left my thumbprint on society. I did it. I'm done. I, I put my mark on society. It's time to move on. And he knows when to let go. And that's respect as well. That's true, honest respect. Because I don't think you see Ted Turner on a, involved in a, uh, in a multi-billion dollar you know, business deal nowadays. Oh, you no, You just see yeah. him... And lounging on the ranch, chilling yeah. out. And so, no, uh, we talk about it. Ted's Montana Grill. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I gotta take you, man. It's it's <laughs> awesome. It's it's a it's a unique thing. It's it's really it's badass and it's cool. And so, part of the reason I've always wanted to go to like Montana and the and those kind of the plain states, even though you you described Indiana to me the other day, which isn't Holy which isn't shit. as far west and isn't. 
yeah. doesn't have as varied, uh, you know, Western textures. Yeah, I had you f- went to cornfields in Indiana, so had- you've kind of spooked me out about actually Dude, going out. Man, it was brutal. Holy shit! I've We're- traveled for wrestling shows in places, but when we went to the the back half of of Indiana. Uh, I was, or Illinois, I mean, sorry, Illinois, not Indiana. Uh, the back half of Illinois, holy shit, it is nothing but cornfields. And it is laid out in box, box squares. I mean, box squares. You're making 90 degree turns every single time you got to make Four way intersections, buddy. Oh, and no red lights. It's all stop signs. Yeah, you kind of spooked me out about that. Sometimes I take for granted the great scenery that we have around us and the, the Great Smoky Mountains. We I absolutely take for granted because you don't realize just how beautiful of the scenery and the the things we have around here. That is that's a very true statement. I agree tremendously. One thing I also took for granted was Brett the Hitman Hart. Holy as shit. As a uh pro wrestler he was uh taken for granted i would say you're killing me dude this was brutal yeah well this this was brutal coliseum home video is something i don't take for granted i'm glad that that went away uh based on this production yeah Uh, they had some great productions (laughs) this is not one of them well very strange uh we had a so this week this was your pick Yes, this was my pick this week. We went into the home video classics section of the WWE Network, formerly known as Coliseum Home Video, which is uh, how you got your pay-per-views if you didn't buy them originally. You'd go to the video store and you'd pick up your VHS copy of Survivor Series or, you know, whatever it is, uh, Austin 316. I mean, Coliseum Video was around until the early 2000s, I think. Yeah. DVDs pretty much put an end to that. Now, then it turned into WWE Studios. and The three DVD set of The Undertaker's Greatest Matches and The Boyhood Dream of Shawn Michaels re- revisiting WrestleMania 12 and all of that and his yearly run there. Uh, Coliseum Home Videos put a major stamp in in pro wrestling videos or video packages. And um, we reviewed the first one. We uh, did. Bleepers, Bloops, and Body Slams. Holy hell. That's a classic compared to this one. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's not true. I think I would prefer this one over that one. I would prefer this one over that one as well. The only problem is, man, dude, way too much Bushwhackers. Straight yeah, out well, of the gate, man. You know, I have no. I will say it and don't care if it's not in in line. It was way too much bushwhackers for me. So the title of this video was called "Smack 'Em, Whack 'Em." It was released March thirty first, nineteen ninety three, just a about a week before WrestleMania nine, where we would see a robbery take place at the end of that night. But that's for another day. No, the title "Smack 'Em, Whack 'Em." I didn't really know what to expect. It never occurred to me. I didn't put two and two together, Patrick, that this would involve... I didn't think this would involve the Bushwhackers. I didn't think the Kiwis would be a part of this. I just thought, this is just a random name. They just slapped on Hold it out of thin air. I didn't know what I was in store for. I didn't know I was going to be treated to a House of Horrors, uh, basically. Uh, Comedy version. Yeah, well, the actual House of Horrors match was a comedy as well. Uh, I actually had a laugh at that one. 
This <laughs> one was not that. So the video begins. Lord Alfred Hayes is in this old house, creakety old house. Looks like it's about to fall apart. It looks like a trailer. It looks like a single wide trailer. Really I got a question for you. How did he get the moniker of Lord? I know that that is something. He was, given. of course, knighted by the Queen. Really? No, he wasn't. I don't. No, uh, I knew that was a given thing from the Queen. So I wasn't sure if it was a uh, if it was a gimmick or if it actually was. Now, I think I, it was just a gimmick. But I would have loved it if it was real. But his lordship is in charge of this video, and I'm thinking, okay, this will be fine. Yeah. Alfred Hayes is just going to toss to some matches because. On bleeps, bloopers, and body slams, it was just Gorilla tossing to segments. A few matches, but mostly segments. I thought this is the same thing. Okay. So he's in this old trailer that looks like it's falling apart, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Someone help Alfred Hayes. This looks like a, a one of those Al-Qaeda videos where he's been taken hostage. I was waiting for him to get shanked. Oh, Immediately, man. Patrick, he spoils basically our main event when he tells us you're going to get to see Bret Hart win the title from Ric Flair coming up later on in this video. Yeah. Gee, thanks. Suspense a little. Oh, but I guess the suspense was lost because um, Bret Hart won this title in October of 1992. It is March of 1993, a week before WrestleMania. He still has the belt. So, yeah, I guess the spoiler was already out there. But what the fuck? It's just crazy that this match wasn't televised. A title change. Right. Uh, And we and you talked about that. I thought it was. I truly... It happened in Saskatchewan, Canada, correct? Yeah, Saskatoon, the Saskatoon. town. Saskatoon. Well, which is part Saskatch- of Saskatchewan. Okay. Yeah, I... It was a primetime wrestling taping. They had video cameras. It was professionally shot. It should have been aired. And why a title change wasn't aired, especially one as massive as this, because... You're trying to build your new star. And... <laughs> you're going to give me some shit here, and I know a lot of people are. I knew Brett and Rick wrestled in WCW. I did not know that this match took place at all. No, that's that's fine because it's easy to forget who Brett won all his titles from. He had five reigns, and it's it's difficult to remember where it all started. Yeah. It's because, because they didn't show this title win at Survivor Series 92 when he fought Shawn Michaels. He just showed up with the belt. Yeah. And we're just supposed to know. You know what happened? Did they explain that at all, even on Survivor Series? I know I'm, I'm interested in looking back to see if there was an actual, hey, here at a house show or whatever. The WWF title changed hands, you know. This is when they were still doing primetime wrestling on Monday nights. I think Saturday night's main event had been canceled by this point. Uh, it had gone on Fox and gotten canceled after like two episodes. So. I'm sure this was announced on Primetime Wrestling that he had won, and they probably showed clips, maybe, and his speech afterwards, which wasn't even included on here. His inspirational babyface speech or whatever. I hope you include it right in this area right here. I will. It'll be at the end of the uh, the, the thing, because I clipped the part from his DVD where he talks about this, this match or whatever. So I'm sure this was mentioned on Primetime Wrestling, but, you know, if you didn't watch week to week... You would be totally confused. Oh, yeah. Because where we last left you, not only, you know, at WrestleMania, Macho Man was the champion. So, yes, at WrestleMania 8, we have the magic moment where Randy Savage reunited with Miss Elizabeth. We had the heartwarming moment. Oh, yeah. Tears rolling down your face. 
It was magic. It was. Ric Flair was defeated to be gone forever. We'd never see this man again. She was mine first. <laughs> but on September 1st, on an episode of Primetime Wrestling, well, it was taped September 1st, Ric Flair defeated Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Macho Man had a reign of 149 days. That's and impressive. Not bad. Way. Not bad. This is one of the only title reigns he had that wasn't ended by Hogan, so congrats. <laughs> uh, then, this reign only lasted, sadly, for Ric Flair for 41 days until he met his demise at Bret Hart on, an, on something that wasn't going to be shown, which I have Rick's explanation as to why it wasn't shown, and I'll get to that at the end of the night. But back to smack em, whack em. So... Alfred Hayes spoils that, yes, Bret Hart wins the title, which we would have known by now because, hell, by the time you might have even seen this on the shelf, he might have already lost the fucking title. Because you might have gotten to this after WrestleMania 9. Yeah, you're recording it a week or two weeks out from WrestleMania 9. They are clearly, because there are segments between him and Gorilla that are shot outside the Roman Coliseum, in quotation marks, Vegas. They're outside of wherever this is being held. So I don't know if this was... Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace! (laughs) Las Vegas, Nevada. Those were shot either at a press conference or nearing WrestleMania 9. Probably. Yeah, because I, I was asking you the same thing. I was like, well, it was shot the afternoon. <laughs> you thought it, it he's about to go in there and drop he's this in his, He's in the same damn attire. He's got his shit on. And I was like, it's being shot the morning of WrestleMania 9 that afternoon. And you were like, you check the dates. And you're like, no. And then we concluded it had to have been a press conference or something. So, but this is before the internet. This you wouldn't know this video was out unless you just went to the video store. VHSs aren't like DVDs, where here in three weeks it's going to be making its video, you know, shelf life. Well, sometimes, and you can VHSs just, were six or eight months out before you got it on video after it was. Well, yeah, and it was shipped through the mail, you know, and oh, maybe yeah. your video store didn't have it, so you might have watched WrestleMania Nine, seen Brett lose (spoiler alert) lose the title to Zuna, then Zuna get beat by Hogan. By the time you even realize how he won it to begin with, so that's, yeah, you're. It's about it's close to WrestleMania Ten by the time this probably hit new. Sh- by this you time, this yeah. probably hit shelves. He might have won it the second time by the time you got around to seeing him win it the first time. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. That's just bizarre. Because, I mean, you and I know, a lot of these younger kids don't, really and truly, I'm not exaggerating that. VHS is you record, then it has to be remastered, then it had to be retaped, and it had to be duplicated over to all these other VHS. It took six to eight months for a VHS, or for a movie, that matter, that you went and saw in, in theaters to make a Walmart shelf to where you could buy it or a Kmart well, and shelf. Yeah, and they're going to stock more of, you know, blockbuster movies, you know. You're going to have a million copies of Forrest Gump. You're probably going to have two copies of Smack 'em Whack 'em. Yeah. You know, because like I said, wrestling is, you know, I do miss my blockbuster, by the way. I know. Well, there's one left. It's I think it's in Oregon, so we might have to make a drive. So anyway, Alfred Hayes is in this house of horrors, and he says, Also coming up, Yokozuna is going to show us how to cook and eat later. One of those things would be true. One would not be. If Yokozuna was doing a cooking special, I would have maybe enjoyed that segment. Uh, but showed, showed how you roll sushi something, you know. Yeah, I thought... He doesn't even have to fucking cook, just something. On that... 
bleeps, bloopers, and body slams thing, there was cooking segments with yeah, Alfred Hayes. With actual cooking. Yes. Well, with disgusting stuff. They were like still sardine sandwiches still. or whatever. But yeah. So I thought, okay, maybe this has some potential. We'll see. But then, oh no. Tragedy strikes as the Kiwis, the Bushwhackers, arrive to work up on the old house. They're going to do some work on the old house. They are Tim the Toolman Taylor. And Bob to, Vila. <laughs> and Bob Vila to Lord Alfred Hayes' hellhole that he lives in, apparently. They are going to remodel this house. They say safety is number one. Hard so hats. Top priority. So they put a helmet on Alfred and try to put goggles over the helmet. <laughs> Hilarious stuff here. That doesn't work, by the way. So they take the helmet off. And put goggles on, and then put the helmet on. And then they give him a tool belt, which is very tight around Alfred's waist. Then they give him gloves. Alfred needs to lay off the cheeseburgers. So, before they can get to work, though, it's time to go to a match. And what better way to kick off this great VHS than with Crush, Kona Crush, as he is now Hawaiian. He is no longer... While the Bushwhackers would be doing some demolition in this tape, Crush would not be. No more demolition crush. He is now Mr. Hawaiian. Bra. Bra. Kona crush. Bra. He is going to be taking on Berserker. Was Brian Adams from Hawaii? Is he that was. They, he is okay. an actual Hawaiian. So that is actually how they got the gimmick then. Okay. Yes. Although he had no... No real ties there. I mean, he had no... I mean, I'm sure he had family there, it, so I can't say that. He doesn't have that Samoan look to him. He really doesn't. So, and he also doesn't have, like, a surfer accent. He looks like a redneck. That's true. I mean, he has a giant mullet. That's, he, and it's blonde. For, <laughs> it's amazing. It, <laughs> it might be... It's it's one of those mullet sightings you remember for for the rest of your life. While Crush might not be in the Hall of Fame, his mullet may one day make it into the WWE Hall of Fame. He's going to take on the Berserker, which was a gimmick which was originally meant for Bruiser Brody, which turned into a tribute gimmick to Bruiser Brody. It was. And uh, had Bruiser Brody done Berserker, it would have been fucking awesome. Unfortunately, they got this other guy, and it turned into a complete and utter... Disaster. Unfortunately, Bruiser Brody was not alive to take this. That's true. Crush takes him on in a test of strength and no sells all of Berserker's offense. No, I mean, no sells it split seconds. Not even, we're not talking about, hey, here's a little bit. Berserker, he's so berserk, he just keeps saying crush over and over again. He just says crush, 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 crush. That's not an exaggeration. Go back and watch this match. This is his gimmick. He gets in the ring and thumbs Crush in the eyes and hits a Russian leg sweep. Crush eats a big boot from the Berserker. Berserker shoulder tackles Crush out of the ring. Berserker goes for a pile driver, hits a nasty delayed pile driver, only gets a two count. Should have been the finish, but he's the Berserker, so fuck this guy. He misses a running knee to a downed Crush. He ties him up in the ropes and then just delivers kicks to Crush's head, like Brie Bella style. But Crush, oh, he, he no-sells this shit. He hulks up, inverted atomic drop, clothesline, backbreaker, leg drop, gets a two count. Crush kicks the legs out from Berserker and applies the Skull Crusher, where he takes his hands and he squeezes your head like a pineapple. It's like the Von Erich Claw with two hands, basically, and instead of the forehead, you're the side of the head. 
And the idea is that enough pressure will cause your head to explode. He's going to you, squish your brain. If you don't verbally submit. And Berserker. You really can't even tap out in this, no. this maneuver. Because, yeah, you have to hold your head. You're trying to keep your head from exploding. Yeah. And Berserker, despite being Berserk, gives up. Tim White calls for the bell. I don't think he verbally submitted. I think Tim just saved his ass. Tim saved his head from exploding. Well, yeah, yeah, because Berserker could only say crush. Yeah. We go back to the House of Horrors with Mike... Not Michael Hayes. I wish it was Michael Hayes. (laughs) We go back to the House of Horrors with Lord Alfred Hayes and the Bushwhackers. And some Doc Hendricks. (laughs) Yeah. Todd Pettengill, where are you? The Bushwhackers, now they want to make a window, so they use... The sledgehammer. So a young Hunter Hearst Helmsley must have watched this video as a kid and said, that's what I am going to use I for love, the rest of my life. I love, I love, love the fact that they're making a window and there's only, if you go to the left two feet, there's a window right there. <laughs> they need another one. <laughs> I mean, we're not exaggerating. Two feet, y'all. Seriously. This is Extreme Makeover Home Edition, okay? It is. So they grab a sledgehammer. edition. They grab the sledgehammer, and they're going to knock a hole in the wall, but decide they're going to measure first. Safety first with these guys. So they draw an X. Measure and then, twice, of course, cut once. Swing the hammer, and of course, miss the X. Womp, womp, womp. So they just knock a hole lower in the wall, which they explain is hey, well, now you don't have to, you know. Get out of bed to see, get out of your chair to look out the window. It's better this way. Extra big window. On to the next match. Repo Man. As we have yet, while they were doing demolition, Repo Man no longer doing demolition. In fact, he's into a whole nother business entirely here as uh, Barry Darso was into uh, stealing people's cars in the middle of the night. You know what he was going to face, though? He's going to face a Richter scale earthquake. A natural disaster. As uh, John Tenta Earthquake comes out to a good response. Earthquake, always Dude, over. Dude, he was hot here, yeah. He's always over. He was. Quake shoulder blocks Repo Man, hits a stinger splash to Repo Man in the corner, or an avalanche, as Gorilla calls it. Repo finally takes Quake off his feet with a clothesline off the second rope, locks in a chin lock, but Quake battles out of it, steps on the Repo Man, misses his standing elbow drop, Repo applies a blatant choke to the earthquake. Repo tries something off the turnbuckle, but gets caught in a power slam, which was a decent move. Elbow drop from the quake, then quake. Summons the tremors, the earth shakes, and he hits the big whoopsie and wins the match. The seated senton from earthquake as the repo man was possessed. He was owned. You know what I want to see? What's that? I would love to have seen John Tenta do doink clowns big whoopee cushion the flying off the top rope and land on oh god that'd been beautiful i guess it would have looked like a vader bomb though really it's kind of the same thing true well no i mean he'd have to propel i don't think he could propel very far no they'd have to feed into it really really close but yeah it would still be awesome just once yeah, just once. Just once. It would have been awesome. Sadly, we never got that. We did not. But Earthquake wins the match and is a really cool guy. I always liked Earthquake. I did too. 
We go back to this episode of Home Improvement from Hell, and now the Bushwhackers have a saw. They trust this man with power tools. Oh, Lord. They have a saw. I look at the time. We are only 22 minutes into this tape. And it's, what, two hours? Almost two hours. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I have made a terrible, terrible mistake. Oh, this this section right here alone was a terrible mistake. <laughs> no, we're about to hit the worst. This I thought this was the worst, and then it got worse. You get you yeah. They tease you. They oh. want to see how this is a game of limbo. They should have called this tape WWE presents limbo because it's how low can you go? Oh, they're gonna make you get to Bret Hart winning the WWF title, but you gotta really want to see it. Yeah, and this was the days before DVDs. You know, chapter skip. You oh, know, man, if you yeah. wanted to get there, you're gonna have to sit there and wait a while. You hold the fast, the fast forward button. Well, first you gotta adjust your tracking. You've got to yeah, do all that's that true. stuff. That's true. Oh, automatic tracking for VHSs. Oh. That was beautiful. Oh, what God. a godsend! Yeah, that was beautiful. Damn, we're old. Holy shit. One of the bushwhackers, unfortunately, sawed into the electrical wire. He did this without killing himself, (laughs) thankfully. They hold it just fine. They hold a piece of electrical wire just fine and say, hey, Lord Alfred, here you go, hold this. And naturally, Lord Alfred says, you know what? I think not. That is electricity. And they reassure him, oh, the power's off, which would make sense because they're holding it. But for some reason... As soon as he grabs it. As soon as he grabs it... It sparks. The power's on. And we get Lord Alfred Hayes doing the worst acting. The man was never nominated for an Oscar, and I see why, because... No Emmy. uh, No Emmy. Not even a Razzie, because this electrocution zoom-in on his face... It might be the picture I use for this review, because it is... (laughs) ridiculous we zoom in and out of it as the lights flicker it's brutal and then the screen goes dark and i thought oh thank goodness it's over the entire thing's over maybe there is no bret hart match maybe i was misled bait and switch bait and switch they found an emergency light but they think they killed alfred hayes as he lays motionless yes he faked death here (laughs) great great for kids television yeah great for pro wrestling as well (laughs) So they pass it on to Mean Gene. They say, Mean Gene, we're going to you and Yokozuna for that cooking segment. And one of the bushwhackers, if I am ever unconscious, Patrick, yes. if I've ever been electrocuted, yes. do not let Luke or Butch anywhere near me to try to give me CPR because it will fail. It will fail. And it's a miracle that they somehow brought Lord Alfred Hayes back because the way he was administrating CPR looked more like Ric Flair chops to the chest. It was one of the worst CPR attempts I've ever seen. What a terrible message. You know the don't try this at home thing? They should have put that on this tape. There were lots of bad things you should not try on this tape. I want to know how many kids took a sledgehammer or just a normal hammer. That's how you make a window, of course. Yeah, I was just trying to make a window, Mom and Dad. (laughs) And here, let me give you CPR. Chop. And let me eat 15,000 calories as we go to the absolute worst segment I'm going to say it. The worst segment we've ever watched on this program. Matches, segments. uh, This goes beyond Tori Wilson and the sex tape. This goes beyond uh, any of those shitty matches you made me watch on Clash of the Champions. This goes beyond just black screens or fuzzy, you know. I'd rather 
this is the worst. This might be the worst thing I've ever seen related to wrestling ever. I, I would second this. This this is so bad that the legendary Mr. Fuji, and by all means one of the greatest of all time, Mean Gene Oakland, could not save this uh, this this segment. I mean, Mean Gene, who I love, I think he is the greatest. I at WrestleCon, you were there. He was the only one I wanted a picture with because I think uh, because I always wanted to go into radio and so I respect broadcasters a lot and as a wrestling broadcaster I thought this guy was just smooth as silk and he was amazing he added depth to interviews he could he could take shit and and make it gold even when guys were trying to walk away he was he was sticking to his guns to get that story yeah sometimes he would get angry if it called for it yeah it was. It was just magical yeah. what he could get out of guys just screaming the same shit over and over again. And the look, the looks on his face, he was just, he's phenomenal. But not even Mean Gene and all his talent and all his training could prepare him for the Yokozuna Hibachi eating festival, which we were about to endure. Dude, this made like the Nathan's Hot Dog Contest or the Crystal Joey Chestnut. This this made this. Sh- I mean, it. Imagine made it- if Joey Chestnut ate 120 hot dogs in 120 minutes. Just I mean, slowly ate hot. That that's what I would rather watch. That actually. This was bad. This was so, brutal. We go to Camp High of Tokyo here. We go to uh, what's the other one around here? That's Ichiban. Like- we go to Ichiban. We go to a standard. Japanese hibachi style restaurant, hibachi grill, Shogun, Shogun, you know where they do the thing, where they do the magic, and they cook the food in front of you, and it's half show and it's half food. It's very entertaining if you. Have it's not very been entertaining. To one. Is it? Have is you it, ever been to one? Yes, I've been. Yes, multiple times. Mostly as a kid, okay. because it's it's mainly it's mainly showmanship. It's a lot like pro wrestling. The food is very good. The food is passable. There's, there, there are ups and downs. There are peaks and valleys of hibachi. But the main thing, I mean, no matter whether the food's good or bad, you always get a good show. That's because true. that's, it's a show. It's a, it's a food magic show. That's true. So that's where they're at. They have their own private thing. Just the three of them, Mr. Fuji, Yokozuna, and Mean Gene Okerlund. Gene informs us that Yokozuna eats 15,000 calories a day. Which means he would probably have been dead a lot sooner than he actually uh, ended up dying. Um, this uh, is the reason he was 650 pounds. A great story Jim Ross told after the passing of uh, Leon White Vader was that they got both sent to fat camp around the same time in the WWF. And Leon and Yoko would sneak out a fat camp in the middle of the night and go eat fried chicken or chicken wings. There was a great chicken wing place down the street. Really? So at the end of the week, for weigh-ins, they'd put on weight because they were breaking out and eating chicken wings together. These two, I I want them, I, I wish they were in their wrestling gear when they went out, too. But it's just a very funny story, but... Uh, yeah, fifteen thousand. This is ca- when you had a call. You wish you had a Coliseum home video. Yeah, that's the footage I want to yeah, see. Exactly, is them breaking out of that camp? No, because in this segment, we're supposed to be intimidated. It's supposed to be a sign of power man, and strength. Yeah, power and strength to overeat. Yeah, which this man is going to glutton himself to victory. Victory. Yeah. 
it, it was very it had a very mixed very, message very difficult to watch so mr fuji says they're gonna have five to ten pounds of rice they get napkins and then they learn about chopsticks, Patrick. Yes, that's what I want to watch WWF tape about, is to learn chopsticks. Do you know how to use chopsticks? Not properly. I can use them. Uh, people have helped me. I have to look at uh, the way other people hold them before I can do it, because my brain, I have very, I'm have very low-functioning human being, <laughs> and so I have to see how they're holding them, and I can use them. And you can remember or work it to a degree. I, yeah. can't, I can't use them. Like I really can't. I've tried. And honestly, a fork is so much easier. It really is. A fork is a much better invention than it, chopsticks. It really is. Now, Mean Gene cannot work chopsticks. I hope this was a work, because I believe Mean Gene can work chopsticks. But he doesn't. He fumbles with them, and so we get to watch Mean Gene struggle with chopsticks. Finally, they bring out the uh, sashimi, which is raw fish. Sushi. No, sushi is not always raw fish. Oh. Uh, sushi is sometimes cooked fish. Most of the time, cooked fish, actually. Sashimi is the stuff that's raw. Oh, so and it actually is straight raw. This looked all sashimi. This looked all raw. So they bring out a big-ass tray of that. Have you ever had that? I, that stuff- I have had raw fish, but not of that. I had something. I had the Spanish version called ceviche. And ceviche... Was it any good, by the way? Because I've I've never. I think it can be good. Okay. The problem I had with it when I tried ceviche uh, was that it was cold, and that that's okay. I could live with that. But they put so much lime juice or something on it. It was so bitter. It was so bitter. It. it and the, the sliminess of it. Is that it, why they give you like that soy sauce or whatever to dip it in? I don't think sashimi's the same way. Okay. I think uh, it's more raw. I don't think they really flavor it with anything. Like ceviche is like coated in like some sort of sour or something. I don't know what they coated it in, but it was tough. I got through most of it, but my date could not get through any of it really but we wanted to try it because we wanted to I've try i've never things. had it i've never had sushi uh i have no desire to eat anything raw so i think you would enjoy uh sushi that has that has been cooked is actually pretty good because it's just rice and like it might have a cooked piece of uh shrimp in it sometimes they even have fried shrimp in it oh, really? and that's fine i I've, I've had that but i the raw stuff i have yet to I, I'm not that adventurous yet, yeah. so I haven't tackled the sashimi. But they bring out a big tray of that. Mean Gene f- works his chopsticks in some sort of way and gets a piece of He finally stuff. just stabs one, I believe. Yes. He gets it, he chews it, and we he cut gets a, it and we cut it. We cut away after he chews it to be able to spit it out, I believe. Probably. <laughs> and then they say, oh, get another piece and dip it in that stuff. That stuff is wasabi. Wasabi, if you did not know, is very, very hot. So Mean Gene burns the shit out of his mouth, and he does not like that. It's not like white sauce. No, no. White sauce is is very calming. Uh, it's it's wa- good. Wasabi will light your ass up if you put too much of it on there. I, I can do it in small batches, but uh, if you get too... And, and it depends on where it comes from, too. I think it's, it's like jalapeno pepper. Sometimes... I can get a jalapeno pepper that's fine. Then I can get one that'll just light my ass on fire for, yeah. 
for hours. Yeah, I've already spent way too. Much. Oh my god! No, I can't this be- was a long. This was this was a major part <laughs> of this program. I am so, so sorry to our our sixty listeners. I am so sorry. <laughs> Look, I'm just uh, yeah. I'm sorry about this part. This is this is bad. This is brutal. And so yeah, my description is going to be as bad as it was watching it. God. I want you to suffer too. <laughs> You're lucky though, as a podcast listener, because you can you can skip ahead. You, you can. can you, we can't. For as as broadcast journalists, we actually You're right. had to, we, we took had, notes. We did <laughs> to the point that we know how much steak he actually was putting. We on were the debating grill. numbers about steak. Yes, yeah. we had a steak count going. <laughs> then. We have a sizzle reel of Yokozuna eating. They just splice together him stuffing his face with all this uh, sashimi. Then Fuji says, oh, that was just the first round. That was appetizer. Appetizers. Entree still needs to come. The hibachi chef comes in and he does his hibachi thing. You know, he's juggling. What was his name? I don't remember his name. Yeah, I don't don't remember his name. I thought it was like Jerry or something. Yeah, I think it had a very American name. It was very American. Most places, most hibachi places I go to, the guy that usually comes out is a white guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It has the most American name known to man. Yeah. So this is this has become... I don't know even if this was originated. This might be something we totally created as Americans. But no, Mr. Fuji flew this man, this man all the way in from... Uh- Japan. This is part of Yokozuna's training. This is his personal chef, by yes. the way. So the hibachi chef comes in, does his hibachi thing with his juggling of the salt shakers. He throws down a huge stack of rice. This, and then He said five pounds. I believe it. This was this, massive. This was a massive thing of rice. Then he throws down some shrimp with some broccoli in it, which I imagine Yokozuna picked all the broccoli out of. But he <laughs> threw the shrimp and broccoli down. Then we cut immediately to the serving of the steaks. We go right to the steaks. And, and you and I counted. Yes. We believe that... Eight. That Yokozuna was responsible for eight of them because Fuji had one and Gene had one. So we had Correct. a total of ten. Is that cut. our hypothesis here on the steak count? Uh, close, yeah. I or, think it was, no, it, was, it was eight. It was eight oh, it was steaks. Eight. Oh, he had, it was Zuna total had six. Of, yeah, Zuna had six and and one and one for for Fuji and... Um, okay. Yeah, I knew was, I knew we were... Yeah, it was... It was eight, eight was a very important number. To eight this. steaks total. But yet, in the middle of all this of him eating it... Oh, he's had nine steaks in, in a matter of minutes, and I'm sitting there going, dude, there is no fucking way. No, we, we immediately just smash cut to, uh, you know, Mean Gene saying, I just can't believe how many steaks you just ate. And then Zuna eats about four pounds of shrimp. Oh, and Mean Gene says, I just can't believe it. Now, they didn't show much of this shrimp eating either. They had a tight shot of Zuna's face, and you just kind of see him working. He's just... Porking it in. I I hate to put it that way. Yeah. Now they want dessert. Thankfully, we did not stick around. This was for dessert. The end. Thankfully, finally over. What did this accomplish, Patrick? Not a damn thing. Being fat in an athletic competition is not an advantage. Maybe in sumo wrestling, if he was just strictly a sumo wrestler. Well, I mean, that was his gimmick. That was his gimmick, yes, of course, but... He was going to do battle with the excellence of execution. 
You know, a guy with cardio, speed, agility, moves. He needed weight to to <laughs> slow him down. To slow himself down. Well, no, to slow Brett down because Brett can't. Speed so his around his with. idea is to lay on Brett. Correct. That is his. That's what if he can get Brett stopped for a split second and just lay on. He's going to use his weight to his advantage. His belly, which is, is actually his, truly what happened in well, WrestleMania. Most of his matches were him on his back, and then yes, occasionally he would roll over on his belly. And for hold. a man that's over five hundred pounds, he took a back bump that was beautiful. By the way, just yeah, because he knew he'd get to be down for a while. I mean, he—I'd take a great bump if I knew I get to spend five minutes on the mat just taking a nap. <laughs> and that was Zuna. This was almost something you would do to embarrass a wrestler. Oh man, this was—if Vince Russo was doing this, this would be to embarrass a wrestler. This, this would be to yeah. insult a wrestler. This was brutal to watch, and I'm in all seriousness. It was yeah, because very, there was very bad. <laughs> Zuna in kayfabe does not speak any English. Fuji is just demanding food. Mean Gene has nothing to say. This was awful. There was no saving this. And why they included it on this video instead of, I don't know, 14 more squash matches from superstars or from primetime, I don't know. But that's what they did. They, they they fucked with us. They really just wanted to fuck with us. So congrats. You got my fourteen ninety five or whatever. No, this would have been twenty bucks. You got my twenty bucks for this tape. Nineteen ninety five. To fuck with me. So congrats. Why is it now nineteen ninety nine instead of nineteen ninety five? Have you ever realized that? It always ended in a five in the nineties. Now it ends in a ninety nine. Well, inflation, man. Inflation. That four, that four, that four cents. cents means everything. We cut to Gorilla Monsoon. Thank God. The heavens had opened up. Caesar's palace had opened up. We are finally away from Luke and Butch. We are finally away from Mr. Fuji. We're finally away from the hibachi steak. We are free. We are free to enjoy a few decent, halfway decent matches. That's true. So Gorilla Monsoon is there with a profile on Brett the Hitman Hart. First up... Brett talks about his ladder match with Shawn Michaels, which WWE would have you believe never happened because, you know, it always... WrestleMania 10 was the first one. Yeah, of course. Yes, of course. Yes. WrestleMania 10 was the first one. In WWE lore, this never happened. Never. Even on the Bret Hart DVD, they skim over it because I was going to use a clip of him talking... No, even on the Shawn Michaels' The Rivalries DVD. They didn't talk about this at all no. on the Bret DVD. But on the Rivalries DVD, they skim right over it. They do mention it. They mention that it was the first one ever very briefly. But then they don't ask Bret or Shawn anything about it yeah. and just move right along. Do not elaborate on this match, please. Because I was going to use a clip from that at the end because I was curious to hear what Shawn thought of it or, or you know, working with Bret. This was probably the this first... This was, yeah, pretty much their first singles meeting, I would say. I mean... For a title. For Well, yeah, and thinking they had multiple Intercontinental title matches before you ever got HBK and, and the Hitman later on. So Sean is out with Sherry to Sexy Boy Sherry's version, which... Scary Sherry. Sometimes I think he should bust that out just to... Uh, just for once. Just for shits and giggles. Just to remember. Yeah. As, a, as, an, uh, as an homage to Sherry, just play I agree. that song. I agree. Brad is out next 
Sean is very particular with how that belt gets hung up. This would be a preview of what we would find out later down the road. That is a normal Sean <laughs> ladder match thing. We're getting a preview of what's to come in Shawn Michaels being a cunt in uh, WrestleMania 10. Or I mean, yeah, WrestleMania 10 ladder match. That SummerSlam one is That's, when he really threw oh the fit. Oh, man, he did. That's true. He lost his shit. That one, he made him lower it back down, and he readjusted it himself. Yeah. He's very particular about how he likes his belt hung up. And the problem is, is I don't get it. He hangs it the wrong way. He hangs it with the flap down. You're supposed to hang it with the flap (laughs) up. As a referee, who does this for a living for ladder matches? You hang it with the flap up so they just grab the back and pull. Problem solved. He hangs it like that, and you're going... Well, shit, now you got to hold it with two hands <laughs> and rip this damn thing up to yank it out of the loop. You're going, what the hell? So you're saying Sean asked him to hang it the wrong way? Sean, when he corrected, hung it the wrong way. Go back and look. He hangs <laughs> it. When he buttons it back down, he hangs it like that. Well, if you're reaching up for it, then you're sitting there got to peel the damn thing off like this. Peel it over, yeah. Right. If you hang it this way... <laughs> One hand, you just grab the damn strap. Rip it. Yank it down. Got to make it a struggle, Patrick. I mean, this is normal ladder match criteria. It's very important, believe it or not. And this was a norm with him. He hung it upside down every (laughs) fucking... For a referee... Now, nobody else has noticed this shit, I'm sure. But for a referee, I have actually noticed this, and it bothers me. It really bothers... You've had to hang up uh, titles before. I have, and it bothers me. Even some that weren't actually on lower lowering cables. You actually... I had to climb the ladder myself to hang it. So, it, it was very... This... I lose sleep over this, really. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Uh, Brett takes Sean down with a few clotheslines, a back body drop. Brett whips Sean to the turnbuckle, and he sells his back. Sean super sells a European uppercut, like he bumps Holy his ass off. Hell, he thing. did, didn't he? And like a face bump too. He twists midair and everything. But cuts Brett off with a chop block before he can get to the ladder. Gorilla talks about the tattoo on Sherry's breast. Oh, the scandal! Gorilla is just terrified of this, mortified that a woman would get a tattoo on her breast. Which was probably just drawn on, Gorilla. Sean goes for the ladder. He drags it to the ring. He t- this was smart. You know, instead of carrying it, he was just like, I'll just drag this son of a bitch. Because this was before the days of these cheap aluminum ladders now that don't weigh anything that they can just throw. That's true. And you know? this ladder was a long fucking way away from the ring. Yes. Dude, I'm glad you noticed that too. Because when he gets out and takes and off. And it's heavy because it's double-sided. He runs to get the ladder. Sean actually, he couldn't just walk out there. He had to hit the aisleway and run up it to get the ladder. And so, yeah, he smartly just says, fuck carrying this. I'm just going to drag it. So he drags it to the ring, but Hitman decks him in the aisleway, whips Sean into the post. Sherry stops Brett from getting the ladder. Meanwhile, Sean sits up the ladder. Brett runs in, pulls him off. Brett goes for the ladder. Sean takes him down, shoves the ladder over. Sean rams the ladder into the sternum of Brett in the corner. So the ladder as a weapon, uh, a first of its kind in WWF here. Uh, He misses a third attempt at this sternum shot, but Sean whips Brett into the ladder anyway. Sean sets up the ladder in the middle of the ring, but Brett just grabs his leg, and that's enough. That's enough to stop him. It is. Brett pulls him down, and the ladder falls over on Sean. Ouch. 
Then Brett tries to reach the belt from the third rung. Go up two more stairs, Brett. <laughs> what? Hello? Hello? You're not all the way up there. <laughs> Make fly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, if there were only two more stairs on this ladder, I could easily hey, grab the belt. He was like, what, three feet off the ground? If the- <laughs> I know. So Sean just throws him off the ladder. He wasn't that high up anyway. Brett clotheslines Sean off the second rope to put him down. Brett slingshots Sean into the ladder, which is in the corner. We get a backbreaker to Sean, and then Brett grabs the ladder. Sean Russian leg sweeps Brett off the ladder, sets up the ladder again. Brett and Sean both climb it. They both knock each other over, and then Sean hits the sweet chin music, and Sherry screams at Sean, Go for the belt! Go for the belt! Get it! He hits a side suplex, not exactly the teardrop suplex. I'm not going to give him that one on this one. It was close, but I don't think it really was either. I will agree. But it allows him enough time to grab the ladder. Sean climbs the ladder, but Brett drop kicks the ladder. Sean, even worse than falling out of the ring, gets crotched on the ropes. The heartbreak kid. This is sad. This is his, his primary thing here. That's true. And he gets crotched on the ropes, and the crowd goes nuts because they know that this is the finish, and their man, Bret Hart, is going to retain his IC belt as Sherry uh, mourns the loss of Sean's testicles on the outside with Sean, and Bret unwraps the belt the wrong way, but wins, keeps his Intercontinental title. So He reached inward and yanked it down. He yanked it the proper way. It just wasn't... It took him a long time to get it. You're it right. It did. Would have been easier your way. Gorilla is back with Brett, and he tells Brett, you're going to go down in history as the guy that has defended the WWF title more than anyone else. That's true. It's a true statement that he said that, but it's probably not a true fact. Now they throw to Brett versus Kamala. Okay, time out. Bret Hart is defending the WWF title against Kamala. (laughs) We have yet to see him win the damn thing on this videotape. Wow, you just blew my mind, dude. (laughs) I didn't even think of that. He's the champ walking out, and you're well, going... He is, he's doing the interview with Gorilla with his belt on his shoulder. Exactly. And I mean... They tell you Lord he's going to... Alfred has already They tell you he's going to win it, but still, you want to see him win it before what he defends it. What about a progression? It. Yeah, he wins it, then defends it. What's the problem in swapping the two of these matches before we hit Too much work. Well, this was before nonlinear editing on computers. You know, this was reel-to-reel, and they're like... No, I'm not fucking redoing this. This is <laughs> I only get paid 12 god minimum wage probably 5.15 an hour. <laughs> I, I'm no not doing it over. My first job was 4.25, so trust me, yeah. <sighs> oh yeah, so it was probably way less. It was probably like 3 bucks or something. Yeah, I know. Now they throw to Brett defending <laughs> the title he hasn't won yet against Kamala, who how does Kamala earn a number 1 contendership? He just does, because he showed up that night. Uh, so Kamala is introduced by Harvey Whippleman, who's much better as a manager than a referee. Oh, God, yes. Uh, Kamala comes out with kimchi. Hitman works Kamala's arm. Kamala scoop slams heart, misses chops to the ground. Kam- Kamala gets hit with a drop kick, but doesn't go off his feet. Hitman goes to a hammerlock, and Kamala gets to the ropes. Kamala wants a test of strength with his injured arm that Brett had hurt. Brett, what a coward, refuses. What a chicken shit. So he challenges Brett again, but this time Brett does it, but Kamala just chops him. So Brett was right all along. In retaliation, Brett stomps on Kamala's bare foot. What an asshole here. 
Should have wore boots. That's what Lord Alfred Hayes said. Brett tries shoulder blocks, but Kamala won't go down. Kamala locks in the bear hug. Oh. Kamala hits a standing spin kick to heart. No shit. Kamala breaking out some fucking jujitsu looking (laughs) shit here. Standing spin kick to heart. Kamala locks in the magna claw to Brett's chest, which I still don't understand. Yeah, I don't get that one either, unless he's trying to reach in to his chest and rip his heart out. Brett catches a kick from Kamala, hits a Russian leg sweep. That's like some Bruce Lee shit. Hits a second rope clothesline, nearly puts Kamala away. Monkey flips Kamala, hits his second rope elbow this time, goes for the sharpshooter while Kim Chi and Whippleman distract the ref, but Kamala hits Kim Chi by accident and Hart rolls him up for the win. Kamala's leg's too big for the sharpshooter, so... With a nasty-ass bare feet, too. I mean, you wouldn't yeah. want to... Just got to roll him up. Get yeah. out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kamala... Very, very dependent on chops. I, I like Kamala. I like his style. However, this match was nothing but a chop fest. I don't really see a lot of the... Now, wait a minute. I do have to give him credit for the spin kick. Now, yeah, that, that was is, a cool move. That was very impressive. That was his, a man, his one his, move. A man his size. Yeah. But uh, other than the test of strength and the... Uh, spin kick he didn't really have a lot going for him except for the chops his strategy was chop chop him down chop him chop that big oak tree down chop him down with the edge of his hand so we go back to Gorilla and brett who are ready to finally get to the rick flair match where brett hart won the title brett just defended the title he's about to win that <laughs> my mind is blown yes we're finally going to get to see a match that happened in October as we are doing an interview in probably uh, March or February. Uh, so now we're finally going to get to see it. Brett says, well, you know, I was in my hometown. It was a place where I first wrestled my first match. I only had one shot, and so I was going to take it. Yeah, I sprained my ankle in this match. I dislocated my finger, but nothing's going to stop me in this match. And he was true about the dislocated finger because uh, one time... Flair kicks him out of a figure four, and he dislocated his finger when he hit the post and had to pop it back into place and continue the match. Fink introduces Bret Hart to a big response, of course, in Saskatoon, which again begs the question, why would you not air this? Hometown hero wins the WWF title. Yes. You're not only hometown hero, your next star in the making, in his hometown... On free TV, could have been. I mean, they could have saved this for pay-per-view, I guess. But, no. We're going to put it on smack em, whack em instead. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. They could have made it a pay-per-view. Some spe- Hey, Tuesday in Texas. Saturday in Saskatoon. <laughs> Saturday in Saskatoon. <laughs> Tune in. Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect come out to massive booze. Flair woos at heart. Flair walked... Damn, dude, Perfect looked in really good shape here, by the way. Yeah, he was still nursing his back injury, but he had a beautiful coat on. His bedazzled Mr. Perfect coat was awesome. It is, yeah. But he did, other than... Even though his back injury, he looked in really good shape. He was training for his comeback. He was getting ready. He's getting ready to make Ric Flair leave Raw. So, (laughs) Flair woos at heart. Flair locks heart in a side headlock. Hammerlock exchanges between the two. Perfect says Hart doesn't have a chance. Flair chops Hart in the corner, flings him to another corner, attempts a snap suplex, but gets reversed. 
Heart back body drops Flair. Heart goes for the sharpshooter, but instead decides to kick Flair in the abdomen. Flair bails outside to regroup. He's he's underestimated this guy, this uh, Canadian. He doesn't know what to do. Flair gets back in the ring and Hart works a headlock, but Ric Flair counters with a wrist lock. Brett counters it with one of his own and takes Flair over. He works Flair's arm over with Flair's great begging. I mean, Flair is so good at begging for mercy. That is true. Oh, oh God, no. No, stop, stop, please. No, no. Whoa! Just, yeah, yeah. That's part of what makes Ric Flair the greatest. Oh, he sells better than anybody I've ever seen. Mr. Perfect's bedazzled jacket is just taking my attention away from this match, but I'll get back to it. <laughs> Flair tries to get out of a hammerlock, but Hart hangs with him and drives knees into Flair's arm. Again, they looked ugly. They looked very vicious. Much like my critique of the Iron Man match, it's weird that Hart is working hammerlocks considering his finisher is a leg lock. He's got to wear other body parts down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like 2K19. You know, you've got to work all the body parts down before you can get the win. Exactly. Brett lands a leg drop to the leg of Flair. A sunset flip, but Flair counters it with a big right hand to Hart's face. Another sunset flip, and Flair's ass gets exposed. This is why we get our TV 14 rating, because we get Ric Flair's asshole. Uh, and then he gets hit with a backdrop. Hart starts rolling with clotheslines. The crowd gets fired up for Hart's uh, fire spot here. Flair goes out to the outside and does his flare flop face first onto the ring mats. Comes back in the ring and flops again, <laughs> which logically makes no sense, but I love it. So keep doing it, man. Never stop flare flopping. No. And so I when you he- see somebody today do that, just out of respect. Just take a hit so hard. Just fall flat on they your walk, face. Yeah, they walk three steps and just collapse. Just flat-ass face first. Brett covers him for a two-count from his own flop. Then the dirtiest player in the game shows up. Thumb to the eye to Brett Hart. Flair slings Hart into the buckles, turn him first. Flair starts softening up the leg of Hart for the figure four. Cracks Hart in the face with some stiff right hands in the corner and some chops. Snap Marin to Flair's signature running knee, but the Hitman rolls out of the way before it can be connected. Hitman goes for the figure four, as that's what you everybody everybody that fights Ric Flair has to put Flair in his own move. It's a, it's a rule. It's a rule. It's written in the book of Flair. He calls it. It seems like in, yeah. in the middle of the ring, Flair's like, "Put me in my finisher." Hitman gets kicked away. This is when he, uh, yeah, this is when he dislocates his finger. Brett works Flair's legs now with elbow drops. Vicious elbow drops to Flair's legs. Hart finally puts Flair in the figure four, and we get a lot of near falls as Ric Flair was going to take a few rests here and uh, lay down, but always pop up before the count of three. Flair makes it to the ropes. Backslide to Flair for a near fall from Hart. Hart slaps on a sleeper to Flair who suplexes out of it. Perfect digs in his pocket for something, which would never come back into play in this match. So bizarre. I almost think this might be one of the reasons they didn't air this match because, like, no, I, I, j- they could have just cut this out. I don't yeah. understand. Like, It's not like you're airing it live. Right. They could edit it. So, Perfect digs in his pocket for something, and I guess he forgot his brass knucks because this never comes back into play. Small package to Brett for a two-count from Flair. Flair hits a double underhook suplex for a two-count. Flair goes for running knee, hits it, but injures his leg, hurts himself for for this win. He loves that belt so much he'll hurt him his own leg. Flair then complains to Hebner and Brett inside cradles him for a two count. 
Flair drops hard on his knee and locks in the figure four. Flair just assaults Brett's knee in the corner. Flair yanks on the leg and goes for the figure four again, but Brett rolls him up for a near fall. The sting finish, but he didn't do it here. They exchange strikes. Hart fires up. Flair goes upstairs. Guess what? Doesn't work. Gets caught. Slammed off the top turnbuckle. Hitman back body drops him. Elbow to the face for a near fall. Russian leg sweep for a near fall. Backbreaker into the elbow from the second rope from Hart. Then Perfect breaks the count, but the ref doesn't see it, and the announcers don't acknowledge it. But Perfect saved Flair from getting beat here. Snap suplex to Flair. Then Flair chops Hart. Hart takes the straps down. Uh Uh-oh. Jerry the King Waller has possessed Bret Hart's body here. and the, The straps are down, and Bret Hart fires up. Puts Flair on the post, hits a superplex. The crowd comes alive as they know what's coming next. Hart goes for the sharpshooter. Perfect. Distracts the ref. The ref is distracted. But then Perfect just hops down. And Flair gives up. And we have a new world champion. But Saskatoon loved it. And the crowd went wild for their hometown hero. They did. Bret Hart. Little did they know they would not be getting to see this on TV until um, March at the earliest if they had access to a copy of Smack'em, Whack'em. So Wrestling Inc. had an article about why this match wasn't shown on TV. So Flair won the championship for Macho Man in September, held the title for 41 days, and it appeared that Nature Boy was going into a feud with the Ultimate Warrior. And then suddenly, Bret Hart defeated Flair... So the feud between Flair and Warrior was abandoned. But Flair discussed that he had an injury. The Ultimate Warrior injured him. Here's Flair's reason the match didn't air. That's because the Warrior and I were in Phoenix, Arizona, and the Warrior suplexed me, and he just, nothing against him personally, but that's not what he did. And he dropped me on my head, and I had that inner ear problem, Flair explained. I remember Charles Barkley was there. He came to watch me wrestle. I rolled out to the floor. I said to Earl Hebner, man, I can't get up. I had this thing for almost a year. I can't think of the name of it. I think it's called Vertigo. But it's an inner ear thing where I would take a bump. I couldn't get up for maybe as long as 20 seconds. So the loss to Hart didn't air on WWE television at the time uh, because he said he wrestled the worst match for Brett and he felt he couldn't do anything. The company was aware of my injury and they called me and I went up there and I wrestled the worst match for Brett because I couldn't do anything. I mean, I went through the motions, but it was like half speed. I'm glad they don't play it. I couldn't do anything, but back then you didn't give an explanation for it. It was a different time. It's not, hey, he's got an equilibrium problem. So, Flair was injured, and that's why he didn't want this aired. But it wasn't his decision, and I thought he did fine. You, I couldn't tell. I thought it was a great Flair match. Yeah, I couldn't tell that he was injured. No. I thought it was a standard Ric Flair match. And think. he put Brett over really good. Another another guy, Flair doesn't mind putting over. Because no, I Hogan wasn't going to put him over. None of the other Macho Man probably wasn't going to put him over. I think Macho Man eventually wanted to work with Brett. But at that point in time, it was done. He was benched. Yeah. And Warrior, well, was gone. So, and Jake was gone. So all of these top guys, they're all gone. So the only top guy put him over. So that was nice. A flair yeah. to do. Because even with the vertigo, I guarantee you some of those other guys would say, 
Nah, nah, not gonna do it. Yeah. So what'd you think of the match, Patrick? Oh, it was an outstanding match. I, re- I thought it was fine. I thought it was a really different kind of match for the time. I really enjoyed it, and uh, to see the two of these these guys work, it's a uh, it's an outstanding piece of. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't too flashy. To, to see these guys work, it's an outstanding piece of uh, footage. Uh, it wasn't like you said. It wasn't too flashy. It wasn't anything fly by night. It you know it was a very good flair match, and it was. I'm not saying flair hit the, hit all the uh, the record breakers, and then that was it. It was a very good, long, talented match. I think it went. It was like, solid. Yeah, nobody botched. No, it went a straight twenty something minutes. I'm I'm pretty sure or close. Yeah, to which it. might have been part of the reason they didn't air it because you would have to. I mean, this would take up most of your broadcast. And oh, so, in between commercials, definitely. Yeah, but yeah, I thought really solid match. They didn't botch. Uh, there wasn't a lot of story to the match. Uh, the perfect spot with the digging in the looking for the thing I thought was kind of weird. Perfect getting on the ring apron and yeah, never... even though he did save Flair once, but if you're my manager and you don't and I lose the title, I well I guess this is the the they're, start of their feud. Right, basically. they're having issues or whatever, and so but, hey, you just cost me the title. Well, I didn't mean to. My bad. But really and truly, he he did. I guess which is what led to their. Their raw match, um, yeah, no, it's it's definitely a piece of footage that any and all true wrestling fans and I'm shocked that should should see. I'm shocked that it took this long to get it on a platform where we could see it. I mean, it was on that VHS tape, and I mean, you could probably go through YouTube or dig, you know, Daily Motion and dig this thing out somewhere. But to have it finally a title change, you know, that was yeah. that was taped. Professionally, a, a very important title change. It's the just, new generation began. Yeah, this was the passing of the torch, basically. Right, you're that, exactly right. Which was taken away uh, a week after this tape was released, when Hogan would steal it back. But yeah, but it really was a changing of the guard that we are going to have to build new stars. It's a very important, historically important match, and never saw the light today and when it did it was months later and it was on this terrible terrible piece of tape so anyway so we see this match and i think well that's the end of the tape okay yeah i i I, because here's my my soapbox for a minute brett defends the title before he wins it (laughs) yes he does so brett then wins the title title change that's your main event it's for the world title done finished no, we are going to have Undertaker versus Razor as your main event. So, your title defense. It's was, almost like they're burying Bret Hart on their own. They're burying their own champion. Your title defense was the third match from the end. Your title win. Title win was semi-main. So those two are swapped anyway. They need. To, they should be. They're they're out of And place. then you had a fuck finish at the end. This yeah. was super clashed, is what this was. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So anyway, Gorilla is back with Brett. 
Brett, who still needed some work on his promos here, buddy. He was he was struggling. He stumbles through his promo, I'll but it's okay. This. I'll give you that one. He does yeah. say he'll always be the people's champion. That would uh, not be the case. Sorry, Brett. Someone else uh, took that line and uh, ran with it. It worked a lot better for yeah. someone else. Someone else was a lot more natural on the mic as the people's champion. If you smell what I'm cooking. We go back to the demolition site. Sadly, no crush or axe or smash. No. The Bushwhackers are back. The real main event of the night. That CPR that they did brought Lord Alfred Hayes back to life. Now, of course, it's... I was, I was worried for him. Now it's time for plumbing and the Bushwhackers break a pipe with a wrench they do and douse alfred hayes in water and and find not just a little bit of dousing i mean this poor man is under a garden hose yes like a full-blown blast fire hose (laughs) and they find a fish okay first of all why is a fish especially one of this size going through a pipe (laughs) in a house Okay, like this this fish had to weigh three or four pounds. But th- think about all the logic about these segments at the house, okay? They never explain whose house it is. Never. They never explain why they need to redo it. Ne- well, I mean, that speaks for itself. It was well, it's a piece, a, it's it a a piece of shit, but yeah. it, it's not Alfred's. Ha- it would have been lovely if they had like... Bobby Heenan dressed up as like Alfred Hayes' wife, or you know, some kind of skit to like. Yeah. Uh, We're fixing up this new house. Honey, you better fix up this damn house or yeah. something. Yeah. Some kind of storyline. Something. Nope, not explained. No. Then for a construction crew, you brought in the bushwhackers. <laughs> Was there any construction gimmick going on at the time in the in the company? Could there? Not- I would love to have seen the re- revamp of demolition just for this specific. One off. Axe, yes, could have come in and blown the place up, right? Axe and Smash. Which one was Barry Darso? Smash. Okay, so Axe was the one that was retired. So he could have come in. That would have been great. Yeah. If he said, I'm here for demolition. Yeah. Or even earthquake and typhoon. A natural disaster takes out the house. <laughs> Anything. That's very, that's very true. Anything would make sense. But there's no logic. So the Bushwhackers, oh, God, at least Jameson wasn't there. I can thank. Well, well, you know, <laughs> I uh, like my rolls. Oh, in my this pocket. is worse than Jameson. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Okay, this is better than Jameson. But Yokozuna eating was not better than Jameson. Jameson oh, God, was no. better. That was the. <laughs> I lost my appetite watching that. That was brutal. Time for your real main event. Undertaker and Razor Ramon. Title's already been defended. It's already changed hands. We're just going to go ahead and give you the real main event of Undertaker and Razor. The real star. And a fuck finish. And as soon as I saw Undertaker and Razor Ramon, I said, I expect this to be a DQ. We'll see if I'm right. Because Razor was new and Undertaker was Undertaker. So Yeah, at this time, Razor was new. He's coming off of the... uh, the skits that had been aired, um, he he had some really good, really good crowd uh, movement behind him. He he had some fans. He was really going. Yeah, would team up with uh, Ric Flair at SummerSlam. Yeah, Razor immediately bails when the Undertaker comes to the ring. He's scared of him, even though he's 
Oozing machismo. Oozing machismo and the bad mane. The bad Two man. heels. Two heels here going at it. Reza. Well, I guess Undertaker's never a, a heel, really. And the bad man. The bad guy. Reza Limo. Taker chokes Razor in the corner. Taker hits elementary school on Razor. Then he body slams Razor, misses an elbow drop. Razor clotheslines Taker out of the ring. He lands on his feet, of course. Razor hits a top turnbuckle bulldog, which was cool on Undertaker, who no-sold it by immediately standing up, beating Razor Ramon to his feet. Bear distracts the ref. Razor hits Taker with a chair. Then he throws Taker into the stairs, so Taker finally sells something. Razor body slams Taker. Who then sits up. Selling's over. Razor drops six elbows. Six standing to his elbows. Head. Not to his chest. To his head. And he sits right back up. Right back up. Razor steals the urn from Paul Bear. Dex Taker with the urn. Calls for the Razor's edge. But Taker sits up. Choke slams Razor. Calls for the tombstone. And Razor says, fuck this. Runs away. And gets the quickest 10 count in history. DQ, fuck off. Undertaker is victorious. Well, hell yeah, because he didn't sell a damn thing. No, he did not. He did not come there to uh, to put over the new the new star. He did. Unlike Ric Flair, <laughs> was not uh, there to uh, help out the young talent. Even though I think Undertaker was younger than Scott Hall. Uh, yeah, big Scott Hall was, or the Diamond Stud. Was. Yeah. Yeah, because Mark Calloway was one of the youngest WWF champions ever. So, uh, yeah, he was uh, not going to put over that fucker from the... Uh... Mean Mark remembered that asshole from WCW and said, fuck that guy. <laughs> he beat my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, like, some Clash of Champions or house show. I'm pissed. I'm not selling for him. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm the star. <laughs> yeah. We go back to the Kiwis... For one more time. Oh, man. We just can't get enough. They bring in... They well, feel bad. Yes. Okay. After so they, they soaked this poor Englishman. They have shocked him, electrocuted him. They have... Destroyed his des- wall. Destroyed it. They. This poor man is drenched from head to toe. But, so they feel bad. They're going to go ahead and bring in a table that has no top. This yeah. table has no top whatsoever. They're going to sit a TV on it. I'm going, well, if it has no top, how the hell are you going to sit a TV on it? It was an oversized TV, so it fit. With the electrical issues, how is this thing going to turn on? That's what I was wondering my, myself. They uh, they feel bad they're going to let him watch his favorite Coliseum home videos. Oh, God. So they're going to torture him more. 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 The torture continues. Although he seemed to like it, so I don't know. Alfred just doesn't want any more sardine sandwiches. No. As he... Makes a Tuesday Night Titans reference. And we're out. But when Alfred goes to press play, the place explodes. It does. I guess, because we're not going to pay for an explosion. So we just go to black. Either that or the TV just like fell on its foot because it was sitting on the edge or something. I don't know. I, I just, I thought my mind went, I thought my life went black. I thought that was the end. <laughs> I thought I had. I have gone blind from watching this. Yes. I thought my brain, Cr- Kona Crush had blown my brain out of my head with his hands uh, through the TV. Yes. And uh, I'd rather watch The Chaperone. I'll give you that one. Wow. I fell asleep during that damn thing. Sleep would have been a better option. Anything would have been a better option. 
Uh, I liked, but I do like the Bret Hart match against Ric Flair. I, I didn't mind Crush and Berserker. Yeah, I, I didn't mind the squash matches. I didn't mind Earthquake and Repo. Uh, the the matches themselves picked up with the latter match. The dead, I mean, it was brutal with the Bushwhackers, but the deadest moment of this entire video was Yokozuna, Fuji, and Oklahoma. Oh, there's no doubt. It we was, are in 110% agreement. It was literally brutally and this is something they promoted at the top of the tape miserable for you to sit there and go fast forward absolutely just to the matches you know how people love you know the food network and all those eating shows make them watch this they'll read they'll reconsider it will their change, life choices it will change their mind this, yes God, dude, this was the match terrible. the matches on this thing are fine yeah they are what they are. Mm-hmm. They're jobber matches for the most part, and one very important match. And a with, fuck finish. And a fuck finish between two stars. If those matches were, if it was nothing but matches and Alfred Hayes introing them in between, I would and the Gorilla this, Monsoon interview, then I would give this a pretty high mark. I would too. But however, Bush, they kind of crushed me with Bushwhackers bullshit. And yes. and the, oh god, Yoko. You could tell on Yoko's face, he was miserable. Yeah, he didn't even want to be there. He was miserable shooting it. Like, it was brutal for this poor man. Mean Gene looked miserable. Mr. Fuji looked miserable. Fuji just wanted to rush through it. Like, that's why I kept saying just feed him because he was like, he was done. (laughs) Just ended already. I hope they got it done in one take. I hope it didn't take a multiple. Oh my gosh! Could you imagine an sitting all day- there? Yeah, sitting there all day long, having to eat the same food. Watch the guy juggle the shit all day. <laughs> it's cold by the time you try to eat it. Yeah, or it's like you don't get to eat it secretly. Like they edited it, but like some yeah, of that you, went you, to like Vince and the crew. <laughs> oh gosh, this is. Brutal. That's it's that's it's the worst single segment. It's way worse than any raw segment I've seen lately. You know, you know what's really bad is at this particular point in time, no segments were done without Vince producing them. So Vince McMahon got him, a kick out of this. Vince McMahon himself, or he liked stood this, stood behind the camera and produced this live while it was happening. He had a headset on, and he thought this was a good idea. Well, he didn't think it was good enough for television. Thank God. We yeah. were, he played a rib on us and put it on a tape you of had, his future world champion looking like an idiot. Yeah. And his current world champion looking like an idiot. Defending the title without even winning it first. And releasing the video right before he loses it. The two main people featured that they want to get over. They record it right before he loses it. It hadn't been released till almost WrestleMania 10. No, it got got released before WrestleMania 9. Oh, it did? Okay. God, this was terrible. I know it says it's only an hour 57, but... I think there's some sort of space-time continuum thing that happens when you when you hit play. Yoko, Yoko, I swear to God, I thought it was 20 minutes. I really did. You told me it was like 12. I, I literally felt like an easy 20 minutes, if not longer. 
If you ever want to go to sleep at night and you sleep with the television on, put on that Yokozuna segment. It will put you to sleep within minutes. If it doesn't anger you first. That's what I felt. Or gross, I felt rage. Or gross you out. I was just enraged, angered, tired. Talking about it is putting me to sleep. Yeah, right sorry. Yeah, we've already gone almost three hours. Between Brie Bella and Yokozuna, we have uh, really uh, fucked this whole thing up. This is going to be a beast <laughs> to edit. So, on our rating scale, smack them, whack them, as in bushwhackers. But Where do you rank on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez? The smallest man on this card, I do believe, was Barry Darso. I'm giving, a repo man. I'm giving it a repo man. I wish someone would have repoed this tape <laughs> and re-edited it. That's not what happened. I am going to give this a Mr. Fuji. I don't even want to give it Mr. Fuji. I'm going to give this Chopsticks. Yokozuna's chopsticks is what I'm giving this. As much as I love the Bret Hart match, nothing, nothing can make me turn this thing on ever again. This is a closer Mean Gene Oakland than it is Repo Man, really. God, this is this is brutal. I swear to you, if you make it halfway through it without needing to take a nap, you have successfully gone through an hour-long Iron Man match. And you know what? You know what's cruel. You know what's really cruel is because on the network they didn't index this thing. Oh no! So yeah. you can't search out you the Ric Flair skip, Bret Hart yeah, match. You can't skip around because there's no. And they knew that. On purpose, I feel to like. To fuck with us. Just to fuck with you. So, yeah, if you go on the network and search Bret Hart, Ric Flair, WWF title. This comes up. No. I mean, well, this, yeah, the whole thing does. The whole thing. So you but can't it won't skip. take you right to the match. No, you can't skip. You have to watch the whole You'll thing. You'll have to scrub through. You can yeah. scrub through. It's brutal. That match itself. Is I, worth watching. I would rank a Mr. Perfect. I would definitely give, yeah, a, a very high standard. Very high marks. Okay, Patrick. Well, that was my pick for this week. Sorry. You're good. Where would you like to go next week? In in a little bit of a nod to uh, Ted Turner, we're going to go to a uh, a Clash of Champions. One of the most important Clash of the Champions. We're going to go to. Clash of the Champions 28, where the American dream doth derove. Tired of seeing his son get beat up and been took advantage of. And so he's going to team with his son, Dustin, to take on the one and only Terry Funk. And Buck Half Buck. You're going to see in another nod to two tremendous legends like Ric Flair and Bret Hart, we will see Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. And Antonio Inoki will take on Lord Steven Regal. In one of the most controversial grappling matches arguably of all time 
Wow, you've got my intrigue going. And it's only two hours. Well, that's a relief. But if it feels as long as smack 'em whack 'em, I don't know that I'll be thanking you next week. So that's where we'll go next week on the Retro Wrestling Podcast. You know where to find us because I've seen the numbers. You listen sometimes. Uh, I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's clothesline. Bingo, bingo. And don't go to dinner with Yokozuna. No. Get better, Ted. I can honestly say I never believed that I was going to be world champion or that I could be world champion or that anyone would accept me being world champion or that I could get over as world champion. I should have had an idea that maybe it could happen, but I didn't. If someone had told me in, uh, when I was a little kid that someday you'll be world champion, I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, even though I worked hard at it, I always believed that I was as good as any other wrestler around. Being champion just seemed like something that I wasn't destined for. You know, you never believe it till it happens. You know, even then I didn't believe it till the match was over. If anybody has a chance, the hitman does. I've been around long enough to know that when guys make it up as they go along, some guys can make up some pretty good stuff. Rick was a hard worker. And he always cut a pretty good pace. He was in great shape. He was one of the most fit wrestlers I ever stepped in the ring with. Just amazing condition. There was a couple points in that match where he did things out of the blue that were that I wasn't expecting, and he kicked me off. I fell into the ropes and dislocated my finger. Of course, I'm a few minutes away from winning the world championship, my lifelong dream. In Saskatoon, where I had my very, very first match ever, I remember I snapped it back. You see Kurt Henning go, oh. And um, all I can say about that match is there's nothing that was going to stop me. Now he's going for the sharpshooter. He's got it turned over. I just look at this. And he's trying to detract the referee, but he did Oh, he gave up! We've seen history made! Let's get the official word! right now I got every time I step in the ring with that with that belt 
I'm, I'm going to prove it to myself and to all, all the fans in, out there, even the doubters that think that, uh, that I'm just a flash in the pan. We're going to find out if the hitman's a flash in the pan. I had trouble believing it. I didn't see myself as being the, the champion of the company, and I had a hard time deep down inside believing that I deserved to be the champion. I was uh, trying really hard, working really hard, and I had a really amazing uh, fan following that uh, followed me and devoted themselves to me and made me made me believe in myself. Hulk Hogan was such a hard act to follow. I mean, and again, I didn't see myself filling his shoes. Bret Hart had to sell wrestling. That's all I sold. I was good at wrestling. And so I found myself in a position of having to um, redefine the wrestling business at a very difficult time when uh, people were starting to uh, turn away from it. I didn't need a star on my door and have a special dressing room for the champion. I was one of the boys, and I wanted to change with everybody the way I always did. And I didn't see myself as better. I wanted to see my, I wanted to sort of set a new standard for wrestling and uh, make everyone appreciate that um, it was a team. You know, I went, kind of went through my own thing with um, with Rick years in a few in '92 when uh, when I worked with him, where it was. Um, you know, for whatever reason, we went from having really good matches to, like, as soon as I won the title, we were just having lousy matches where we bungled up the finish all the time or something went wrong or he missed up the spots or uh, there was always some kind of where it just wasn't quite right all the time. And uh, Rick was, I remember he told me that he was having some problems at home or something like that and he was distracted. And maybe that's the case, but I mean, I remember actually going to Vince and going, I, I think he's sabotaging the matches, trying to sabotage my, like we keep screwing up the finish and stuff like that. I'm, it's like we're going to, doing the worst endings to our matches out of, uh, I don't know where I'm pinning him with a, like, a, like he'll call a small package out of a figure four and I'll small package him and he doesn't kick out. And it's like the worst ending of the match, it's so flat and it's like hardly even a clap and I'm looking at him like, you just killed, you're killing me off every night. And, ki and killing himself too because you're, well, he was going, he was leaving, going to WCW at that time. But uh, I remember telling Vince, like, we had 90 days left with him, and I was working with him, and I said, I'm not sure if he's on the level with me because he's ruining the match every night on purpose, or it seems to me. And then Vince and me talked about it more, and I think we talked, of, we had meetings with Rick in the building where Pat Patterson flew in, and we talked. And you know what? We did the same thing every night. And he still screwed up lots of stuff, and we never quite did it my way. And, um, and eventually he left, and I, I think Vince talked to me a few weeks after, and he said, you know what, I, I think it's just the way he works. He didn't do it. It was no, not so much bad intentions, mm -hmm. maybe. It's just, that's just how he works. He can only do Ric Flair stuff. Mm -hmm. He can do the Ric Flair match. He's got to be in control of that Ric Flair match. And that's, you know, he calls it in there kind of thing, which is a, a sort of the, that was how they worked in the, mm -hmm. in the 70s. You know, they call it in there, and they, everybody sort of imitated Harley Race and Dory Funk, and <coughs> I think Flair, uh, that's how he came from an era that was, I came on the dividing line of another era that was not quite like that anymore. We could still call it in the ring, but we, we were more advanced than that.